0: and i and i said to him it comes with the hair and the eyebrows oh <laughs> there's no context at all for anyone watching what we were just discussing there but it is goodwill's quote of the year from me which just like came, came out of nowhere and just had me laughing my head off before we'd even started hello space
1: The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Adequate. Our continuing mission until we are cancelled and replaced by something far superior. To review every Star Trek episode and movie in existence. To seek out new guests and make them very uncomfortable. To boldly go where many other YouTube Star Trek shows have gone before. It came with the eyebrows and moustache. (laughs) It is Friday night. It is trekking up north. We are live. Good evening, good afternoon and good morning to all the lovelies on the planet Earth and beyond. I am your host, Captain Goodwill, and joining me as ever is the fabulous, delectable, delicious, Gissian from the planet Honk, Honk. Honk. (laughs) science officer Sanois. They will never know what we were on about
0: they they will at some point i think <laughs> but, oh, uh, yeah. i do declare foreshadowing, <laughs> foreshadowing. But, um, <laughs> plot but, um, device i i love though that we we've got an episode about borg uh today which is wonderful because this is a fantastic episode we're going to be talking about and you've got into the spirit by turning your room into like a borg cube with like the worst cable management in the entire world so
1: yeah currently (laughs) with your new computer currently guys um (laughs) if you hear noises i can't be responsible for it um the, (laughs) the 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 adequate is no longer adequate it is more just a mess of cables um i am in between setups as they say, I am transferring to a more powerful desktop PC in order to do nerdy up north stuff, um, because my my seven year old laptop has the audacity to start to give up the ghost. So I'm putting it out to pasture. It's going to going into light duty mode as of this week. Um, so I've bought a, I've invested in a, a a PC that is I think five six times more powerful than my laptop which is obscene for me
0: but that is crazy that amount of power yeah. I, I do like the idea because the last two weeks we've basically gone oh when, yeah we start the stream we're like is it is obs gonna die it, it ah. died yeah. earlier
1: on and it froze and it was like i was like keep it i'm giving it oh she's got captain um, yeah. but i'm, I'm like the, the everything came this week. i like Everything was down to be delivered tomorrow. Everyone came
0: today. No, 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 no. The tower arrived today. The tower
1: arrived today, but everything was, like, everything was scheduled for a Saturday delivery, so I was just like, I can do one more episode. It will be chill. Everything will be sorted. Yeah. And then they were like, nope, your cables, your monitor, your table, everything is here. And I'm just like, fuck. Uh, so I, <laughs> I've sort of ripped out half this room and rebuilt it and wired it and everything, but everything is just so i've got like a keyboard with a microphone and i've got a wire here seven wires there the laptop is overheating in the corner there just like i'm trying to keep everything like thing but uh, yeah it's it's been crazy but this is the last episode of my old laptop before you get a new shiny looking version of trekking up north yeah everything performing a little bit better
0: but i mean i I i love how though everything got delivered today and you could You could have just left it in boxes Mm. and then done it tomorrow as was the plan. No, no,
1: no, no. But we all
0: know there is a thing that stops anyone actually doing that. You know, (laughs) as soon as it gets delivered, it has to be set up. But I had plans.
1: I had plans for tomorrow and the the desk came and the desk was like big and shiny and new. And I was like, I'm going to build (laughs) this, not realising that it's nine o'clock on a Wednesday and really, I should be, like, relaxing. And I was like, no, but it, yes, I think everyone in Nerdy Up North has, has sort of thought that I need to get a life because I've just been buzzing over my new shiny desk with a wireless charger in it. And I'm just like, you can put my phone on it and I can, it charges <laughs> with the power of air. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> but no, like, so I'm in between setups. But
0: other than that, <laughs> how are yeah. you, noise? I'm good. I'm good. I'm finally not ill. Like, it was just awful. That illness I had. Luckily, everyone seems to have it at the moment, so everyone can empathise. Because it just vanishes for a couple of days, and then it comes back again. But uh, yeah, so this weekend was a total write-off, which was awful. Uh, And then Monday was a bit of a write-off. And then Tuesday, I'm perfectly fine. I'm like, okay, right, cool. So I've managed to actually get, feel like I've caught up on things and uh, got, got some stuff done, which is quite nice. And yeah, and just enjoying doing this again. And I'm actually going to be streaming after this, oh. which is nice because it's been like two weeks now, three weeks—I can't remember.
1: Jutta, law he's going to be streaming. Ooh. Oh, so long, long. 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 Will you? Be, speaking of French, will you be streaming? Speaking of
0: shit, Canadian shit, Canadians.
1: <laughs> will we'll get to the nice Canadian shortly, but uh, will um. Will you be streaming the what was the game called again?
0: Uh oh, um Ad Infinitum. That Yes, I'll be streaming the wartime game again, which is the first game I played to make me jump because it is very, very creepy. But uh yeah, we'll see if I can get a bit further on that. But uh yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for it, but it does actually freak me out, which is good. That is that is um... fan Dabby Dorsy. I can't wait for that. We but... do
1: love her uh, streaming.
0: So, I, I think it's great. Like, uh were you you were streaming on? Were you streaming on Tuesday, or did no, you miss the No,
1: I've 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 had to, with with everything going on in the personal life, I've had a, a bit of sholly mm. from from streaming. But I am looking to be back, uh, possibly the on a uh, week on Tuesday, once I've got mm. everything set up. I want. I don't want to. I want to get everything installed and get everything like set yeah. up layout wise. Don't before. rush it, man. Uh, so I've I've got a few games. Planned um, and ironically we were. I was like, "Ooh, I've got all. I've got like a forty sixty with ray tracing." And I'm like, "What games am I gonna play?" And then Power Wash Simulator, were like, "Hey, Back to the Future DLCs just come out. Do you want to clean the DeLorean?" And I'm just like, "Yes, like I really want to clean the DeLorean." Um, so I, I'll I'll be looking for that. I've I've made the jokes that I will be playing Euro Truck Simulator with a trailer full of Paul's faces. It ain't no joke. I've actually got some software to design my own trailer, so it just will be paul's face all <laughs> over it so it's going to be hall paul or paul hall depending on i I, w- I
0: will tune in for that because that sounds absolutely insane um, i love that.
1: It, it's going to be like a, a it's going to be a power wash where it's just a chill stream where i'm just blasting down the a1 talking to people in the chat i think that's just going to be the best thing to do um but no i i'm i have actually been apart from everything else that's been going on this week which everyone knows from last week you know still horrible but hey Mm. i have been planning guests
0: for oh, but this is the this is the crazy thing because the floodgates have opened now mm. now that the actual uh now that the actual strike is over it means that we can actually go to people and be like hey tell us all those things that you weren't allowed to tell us before and also do you want to come on the show and it's a bit weird because obviously we're like oh we're taking a break now Where's well we this would be the perfect time to chat to people although i do know this bit yeah yeah we will
1: be doing a so so next week i know we're jumping ahead but next week is the final uh trekking up north episode regular episode Mm. of this year before me and sunoyce uh take a break because Mm. we've been going since uh february and we just need to we need yeah. a month off. We are still doing a Christmas special, aren't we? We are doing a Christmas special. Okay, cool, cool. Um, and also, there will be a special where we will be teaming up with the main podcast of Nerdy Up North, as we will be interviewing um friend of the show, Damon, or David, who is a background oh,
0: actor. Hang on, Damon or David?
1: Yes, Damon or David, depending on who okay, you, know, right, you right. want to call it. He is a wonderful, <laughs> he is a wonderful human being. The, the The bastard made me cry yesterday because he sent me a video message, uh, wishing me well and everything in the family well, and uh, it sort of set the waterworks off, because um, I didn't expect it. And it was it was absolutely mm. it was it was it was wonderful, and I'd, I also had shout out to Joe from Captain's Quadrant. He telephoned me, um, and and was uh, when did he telephone? It was Monday. He telephoned me, and he, we had a nice conversation. And he was asking if I was all right. It just—it's so heartwarming that w- through this show, we've met wonderful people um, who are kind and supportive, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. But Damon will be a very special guest on Trekking Slash Nerdy Up North, as we mm. discuss how he has got into acting, and. The listening of films and TV shows he has already done in his short time, which is we've seen the Crazy. list, guys, and it is insane. Um, obviously, he's from. we know him from Strange New Worlds as he was a, mm. a soldier in Strange New Worlds. He's also in the latest film, uh, latest horror film called Thanksgiving by Eli Roth. Mm. And he got to meet and talk to Eli Roth. Which, Which is, is crazy. nuts, and he is actually being a background actor. There's no guarantee that you're going to make the final cut. He is in mm. the final cut of this film.
0: I always feel sorry for that for people because it's like literally you just have like what was it? Um, for ha- oh god, for Halloween, me me and my best mate Ian, we watched um three hellraiser films in a row and we deliberately watched the shit ones we weren't allowed to watch one or two we had to watch three four and five and they are god awful but we watched the work print ones like the unedited like the you know where they basically show it to test audiences and then they edit it down afterwards and there were so many scenes in both of them that just have people that aren't in the actual cut so these poor extras or whatever who a were it meant to be in a shit film but also didn't even make it into the shit film so they still got paid i guess but mm-hmm. you know you just go oh you ended up on the cutting room floor Work and cuts. and it, it is uh, a big yeah. risk being an an extra
1: yeah work work cuts if if for those that don't know they, they they consist of dailies uh and everything that is shot for the film where you then take it into an editing room and that's what you cut down so you have like mm. X amount of hours worth of footage and you cut it down into a cohesive and concisive film for the most part. Yeah. And then like you, you sh- pick
0: out the best take out of a selection, yes. you put it together, and then later you'll be like, oh, how do we hone this so it punches better? And- yeah,
1: it's like the roughest cut of a film that they show to test audiences, producers, anyone who's involved with the film, you know, like stakeholders and everything, where they say, hey, what have you got? We have this. Um, basically, that's like the the Batgirl film that was shelved by Warner Brothers mm-hmm. that's like the work cut that's been shelved so it, it was more or less done but it's just been shelved now so we'll never see the light of day but yes we do have uh, we are working on getting Damon on there next week as I mentioned we do have Isaac from Unplanned Trek uh, which is an audio only podcast uh part of the <laughs> Treks and Trekkers Network. Trekkers which is obviously Mr. Mark Cartier's. <laughs> he's collecting them. He's, he's collecting, collecting them like Pokemon. He's hoovering up these podcasts uh, <laughs> like something crazy. and I'm just like, dude, we're waiting. Heard,
0: Collect me, daddy
1: assimilate <laughs> me into Mark. your collective of podcasts um, daddy cartier <laughs> daddy cartier
0: yeah
1: um but yes so the floodgates as sanoy said has opened in terms of guests that we're going to get on i do see the lovely nita from sci-fi queens is in the chat hey girl <laughs> as those americans say um, oh, Nita. Hello, I
0: hope you're having a lovely day. Nita. We are,
1: we are saving Nita because she is a fantastic Klingon aboard the USS Caliente. <laughs> we are saving Hugo for a Klingon-centric episode. So whatever the dabble wheel yeah. spins, you will be coming <laughs> one on. day. One day,
0: I. I tell you what, though, be- before we do get into this, I do Oh, hope... oh Hold on, have we even discussed who we're going to get if we get Code of Honour? We need to get... We need to see if we can get the most famous person in the entire fucking world and then be like, and watch this shit with us. You know, like... Oh, God, who could I get? We need to... Literally, we need to reach out to, like, Jonathan Frakes or something. Guys. Like, something totally insane and be like, will you watch this... The embarrassing
1: episode with us. In in the live <laughs> chat or in the comments below if you're yeah. watching this recorded, who do you want as a guest when Code of Honour really don't <laughs> please don't say it's next week. Um who do you want as a guest for Court of Honour if it does get spun today? I do hope though, in in my um disassembling of, of the house, I do hope there is a Enterprise episode though, Sonoise, because mm i found oh. my nx01 enterprise cap when did that arrive no i got this about 20 years ago when enterprise oh, was wow. still on air um and <laughs> i'm just like i have found it and i'm just like yes the only <laughs> bit of enterprise cosplay uniform i have got and i will be wearing it next week if you do get an enterprise one um but yeah we are here tonight to review somewhat, say, a classic episode of The Next Generation, a, de- a definitive episode now, thanks to Picard,
0: mm. of uh, The Next Generation. <clears throat> Season...
1: Well, so go on.
0: I, I, I would say, uh, hello everyone in the chat, who in the chat has watched the episode? Just like yes. give us a quick sound off of who has watched the episode, because I know a couple of people on the Discord were saying, oh, I didn't manage to watch it, but it's the fact of... Arnold Schwarzenegger! <laughs> Oh, I'm sure it's like, imagine, and he's like, I don't even want Star Trek. I'm like, shut no, up. No, come on, he,
1: he, he's been a Kung Fury too. He can be on Trekking Up North, it's absolutely
0: <laughs> a... I but like the Jean-Luc idea, Picard. <laughs> you know, it will be assimilated, Commander like Ica. <laughs> oh, yes. This is something futile. I'm right here. I want to do it Beverly Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, anyway. <laughs> because I, I love the idea of what just, is in uh, this coffee if arnie was a Borg, <laughs> but um uh i don't know if you know much about the episode that, exactly that's thing, but it's the idea of this is one of these episodes where it is a massive deal in trek like in terms of lore this is like a make or break point for like the rest of the the lore afterwards. Correct. And you didn't realize at the time. And it's very much framed as a kind of just a one-off, like, oh, disposable episode where something interesting happens. But then the repercussions of it are something that the writers are blatantly later on in Trek, when we get to Picard, when we get to stuff like um, DS9 and Voyager and stuff, they are very much going... Oh, those were that that was a big event that happened. The same way like Wolf uh Three Five Nine Was an inside where, job where like well, yeah, it was an inside job. But it's the idea of like that's just the throwaway episode of Trek where it's a big deal, but then everything constantly references it, and it's like, wow. And and that's what's so special about this episode, the fact of and the, the main thing about this though is the characters every character gets a wonderful portrayal in this every character gets to be themselves they get to sort of have their own stance on the situation and they get to I don't know you just feel like you walk away being like wow this is some good writing and some good acting and like yeah we get Guinan we get like a Lore on Guinan, but also we get to see a different side of Guinan in this episode, which I think is wonderful, I think. I yes, also... I'm gushing about it, but this is phenomenal, this episode. This this is a Crusher
1: and Geordi-centric episode. Because we get to see a side of Crusher where she just butts heads with the chain of command, with authority. Mm. And vehemently disagrees with the decisions that are made up above. Hey, Joe, I've already given you a shout out, boy. Hey, see you.
0: You're um, not getting another one. You've already had your shout out. Very, very. Oh, I love I love my Joe. I love my Joe.
1: Um, but this, this is a Crusher Geordie-centric episode, I would say. But you are right, though, because yeah, this, I, is, this I, is... I would
0: disagree, though. I wouldn't say it was a Crusher and Geordie-centric. I think it's everyone. Like it's I, I'd say the only characters that don't really get a say in it are probably Riker and Worf, maybe? But everyone else, like, yeah, because obviously Picard's essential in it. Uh, You know, Geordie's essential in it. Well, Data... No, Data doesn't. But it's... I, I, I like how every character is used in this one. I are think you, that's are really Are you disagreeing
1: important. with me? Yeah. Are we going to have to go to Holiday one and have a twain off? Oh, don't you...
0: I do <laughs> declare! I do declare! I do declare! You... <laughs> I say! I say! It's not not that severe a disagreement. Not that severe a disagreement. Every disagreement can be resolved, But I say. Wait, why do <laughs> I sound like Foggle?
1: Let on? Every, I say, Mark. every every <laughs> disagreement can be
0: resolved by talking like Mark Twain, boy. Could you could you mix them? Could you be Foghorn Leghorn cosplaying as Mark Twain? Wow, <laughs> that is Mark that is, Horn Twain Horn. Mark Horn Twain Horn.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Could do. Yes, this needs to happen. Um, but it yes, but yeah, uh, but but I I kind of do disagree in the capacity of like. This is just where it uses the cast brilliantly. Like everyone, like, you know, it's the fact that we have Picard. Picard's great in it. Guinan's great in it. Crusher's great in it. Geordie's great in it. Uh, Hugh is absolutely phenomenal in it. And that's great. Like, you know, going from episodes where they just go, oh, well, he has like two characters. Like, you know, it's it's good to have this. But, anyway. but I do agree with you that this
1: is a pivotal defining episode in star trek history because this is the first time where the borg is humanized because mm. up until this point we have just known the borg as mindless drones they are a hive mm. they are just bent on assimilating and destroying you know they they are something to be feared of and this allowed us to have insight into the collective this is the first time we hear about the hive mind where you know they can hear voices, thousands of voices within their own mind and they feel alone and the, the sense of there is no individuality and the fact that the, the Borg um, it's it's sort of like the beginning of the law of Borg from the viewpoint of gaining, mm. from the viewpoint of, of Hugh and this is the episode where writers took uh, inspiration from for everything going forward in the next generation in uh Voyager
0: especially
1: First Contact uh Star Trek Enterprise and then obviously Star Trek Picard where mm. Jonathan Delarco came back. Um and it it, it is it is it's our double wheel is very I think it's very symbolic of its choices over the last few months, because it's been episodes that have either been linked together uh, or linked by Star Trek Picard, bar, well, I, bar obviously see, I, the original I, series.
0: I don't know, because I don't know if we've just been really, really lucky or if we just didn't realise how much of Next Generation is entwined with itself. Yeah. Like, in just how good Picard is. Because the problem is I started watching, like, obviously I watched the episodes around it and obviously we get the... We get the crazy one where. Um, Sorry, I just where, I just saw Lee's chat. There. It turns out the real treasure was the people we assimilated along the way. <laughs> I love that. There we go. There's a t-shirt right there. But, but no, it, it and it's the, this idea of like it is such a pivotal episode, and I'm really glad that the Dabble Wheel has given us all this crazy stuff. But then I'm kind of I'm kind of waiting until it gives us an episode where we are just like, oh, that was a little throwaway piece of crap you know but we haven't had one yet you know we will get the ball always episode. had something fun to say we will get the Borg episode from enterprise next week but i think i think the wonderful thing about this is like you're saying it defines the borg and it's difficult because i'm so used to all the law that we get in voyager and all the uh law that we get in like first contact and stuff that i'm like oh shit yeah this is the first time that we actually engage with the borg in that way because they've always been this faceless enemy like this sort of this threat but where there's no reasoning with them there's no sort of humanity or whatever to them and we don't really think about their component parts and this is a wonderful obviously with star trek always being big on the politics this episode carries a wonderful little message of like your enemies are human too like there's uh there's always something with any enemy that can be sort of like um uh worked out because like for instance i was talking to someone the other day and obviously my stance on war is basically that i'm pretty much a pacifist with the idea of going it's very incredibly rare that we need to settle things with war or violence and whatnot especially with Re- remembrance day last weekend where it's the idea of going cool the way we need to respect the fallen is by not having any more wars and stopping that happening because that's the biggest respect you could give to like people who like struggled through that. Uh and this effectively like cuz when it's us and them people just justify it. They just go, "Oh, well, they're Arabs, so we can just shoot them because they have a way of life that's different to ours and stuff." And you're like, "Yeah, but at the end of the day, they have families and feelings and likes and dislikes and you know, when you drill down to it, they're not an evil they're just a person with reasons and it's wonderful in this episode that we kind of get that dichotomy of the borg that we get the peeling the shell off and being like oh oh underneath all of that they're not robots they're people and the feelings are still there and obviously in voyager we learn about what's it called um eunimatrix one yeah, Unimatrix 1, where we just go, oh, wow, they are actually still human and conscious and dreaming. Sorry, Unima-
1: Unimatrix 0. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: That right. one <laughs> Unimatrix 1. That, that's where they upgraded it. They gave it shiny new graphics, but it doesn't work on old. The ray tracing shit, but yeah, it will <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. You need one of those shitty uh, meta head headsets for it. Yeah. But yeah. But no, that's it. No, we learn that they're still human at the core of things, and that's part of what makes them Borg in a weird way, where it's suppressed, but it's essential for the collective running. And it is kind of fascinating a little bit. like. But yeah, anyway, it's, but it's th- very that's the political easy, message that I took from it, but- where you're just going, yes, they're an enemy. Yes, we should wipe them out. Oh, but they actually are people at the end of the day. You know? Yeah,
1: because it's it's very easy. it's very easy in war. To see the enemy as just an enemy, and not realize that they are also human beings who were born, were raised, were you know, have learnt and loved and laughed and everything. Live, live, laugh, limp biscuit, and what have you. Um, (laughs)
0: And I just love the idea that there's a Borg cube somewhere with a sort of with terrible cable management, as is normal but a live laugh love sign in the background i mean yeah i'm literally living in a ball cube when we think about it should, should i just turn everything green hang on let me just, <laughs> let me, let me just let me, live laugh resistance is futile let me, let me just there we go <laughs>
1: there so, we go uh, yeah so i'm i'm currently in the ball cube uh but yeah and, and it this is a poignant episode because it, it goes hey we are at war, but let's not real let's not forget that the enemy that you are fighting, yes, they are mindless drones, but behind the facade of the mindless drones, they are still people who mm. were people who were individuals and their consciousnesses are still there, and how easy it is once they are disconnected for that person to regain their not memories but individuality.
0: Yeah. All I mean that's it. We can we can see the collective as a metaphor for brainwashing or doctrine, where it's the idea of any enemy or whatever, any no matter how like crazy or like sort of convinced that their way is the right way, you know, once you get past that doctrine, you know, that smokescreen, you go, Oh, actually I can reason with you, and actually we have common ground. And and that's this is a wonderful thing though, because this episode does that, but it doesn't soften the Borg in the way that Voyager does by making it so that they're easily defeated. Yeah. It kind of it kind of makes the problem harder, effectively. Because obviously, as we'll see in this episode, they go, Cool, we have a way to wipe out the Borg. And then they go, Oh, oh, it's a lot harder to attack the Borg now that we know that actually there are people underneath all of that. Yeah,
1: it's it's easy to <laughs> yeah. it's easy to go, we will commit genocide
0: quotation
1: marks and then they go oh actually they they are still people so they are not completely just undead hives they are actual living individuals however they are dormanted because they are in a a collective and so so yeah it it was it's really let's let's get into the episode Mm -hmm. um because the the whole episode starts and again Loving the next generation 45854.2 5, series I, fa- season five. I 4, wrote 5. it down
0: because it is so lovely that day 45854.2. 5, like, like he just bounces over it, I love it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and keeping with the tradition that started with the next generation, that it's four and then the season number so it's season one was four one, four two, four three, four four, four five. So, if you're ever watching something on TV and you go, What season is that? Listen to the star date and then you'll go, Season <laughs> six, Season five. Um, they are charting um, six solar systems um, and they detect a signal from a star system that they are currently in and it's emanating from a small moon orbiting the fourth planet. They uh, go to the moon. Uh Riker and Crusher with a medical team beam down because they could be potentially survivors because they think it's a distress signal. They beam yep. down. They see a lot of wreckage. And when they pull some wreckage away, they see the bug. It is a bug. Le bug. Le bug. <laughs> le bug. Um, le bug. <laughs> le, le bug. <laughs> uh, le bug? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> avec, avec moi <laughs> le bug. Um oh no, sorry, Borg is Swedish. Ooh the Libog. Um Floodig. Uh but there, the, the life sign that is very weak turns out to be a Borg drone. Mm. So they contact the Enterprise, they confirm that they have found the Borg. And this is this is the first, and this also ties into first contact. Yeah. Because this is this episode has happened after the best of both worlds, which was the season three for Cliffhanger where Picard was assimilated by the Borg, he was lacutus, and he is monumentally traumatised uh, by um, the events of Wolf mm. 359 and what happened. They contact the Enterprise and say to Picard, they have found uh, four, uh, five uh, Borg, one is alive, mm. four are dead. I love the camera work on this, where it just it tracks close to Picard, yeah. and... You can just see in... I mean, this is the testament to Patrick Stewart's acting, but you can just see that switch go off in his head. It, and his yeah. first instinct... This is the captain of the Federation flagship who is, let's be honest, by this time a war hero, a master tactician who is not afraid to fight. Mm. This is a captain that just goes, get back, we're going to run.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And th- that's it. It, it. it is so fantastically done, the fact that you can just see the panic on his face. Yeah. And it's masked, because like, the, the wonderful thing about Picard is that he doesn't talk about feelings. He's very much... He's but,
1: stonewalled but you, stoic in, yeah, in
0: how he's stoic. Yeah, he's very stoic, but then yeah. Patrick Stewart plays him so well that you can still know everything that's going on, and you know that there's an internal battle in this. Yes. But it's the idea of... Like that—that that PTSD that just kicks in, as soon as the Borg come up, that he just goes, "Okay, we need to get away from here." Like, yeah, I I loved it, and I, pay, I I'm glad that everyone picked up on it, like as so
1: well. So this is yeah. Okay. So this is because we we have also put a poll on the Nerdy Up North Discord uh, and on my uh, Twitter page of Goodwill None because this is the first instance where we see opportunities on what mm. they are going to do with
0: this with this drone, which is still alive, yeah. <laughs> where it's... We've turned it into a choose-your-own-adventure book. Yeah. Where it's like, if you'd save the Borg, turn to page
1: so, 58. So Crusher doesn't want to leave the planet. She wants to stabilise the drone so that when the Borg do come and pick up the dead drones and this live drone, he, he's got a fighting chance. Worf, mm. being Worf, wants to kill him. Yeah. Um, however, Crusher wins out on the day, despite having a very, very tense moment with Picard. Because, again, Picard just wants to run. Crusher wins because she just wants to beam him aboard. But she wants him in sickbay. Picard absolutely refuses and says he'll well, be beamed to the
0: brig. What we have is we have two arguments behind between them in this scene where yeah. she doesn't want to leave the Borg, and uh, he acquiesces and goes... Oh, okay, cool. He's like, okay, we'll beam it aboard. And then they have another discussion. And then he's like, okay, beam it to the cell. And then she's like, no, no, send it to sickbay. And he practically yells at her saying, no, it's going to the cell. You can do your work there. And it's very much this idea of demonstrating how stressed he is by this. Because immediately after they have this argument and she goes, oh, okay, cool. I'll do it in there. But the he
1: gnaws. He he, knows how dangerous this is. Yeah, he knows. And he he cannot describe to the crew how dangerous the Borg are because the only way they could truly experience it is being assimilated. So he's got Mm. the upper hand when it comes to intimate knowledge of the Borg. They do have this argument. Um, Crusher sort of wins out because they beam uh, the, the drone aboard. We do get this mini therapy session with troy who this is this is it you know this is troy's well, only contribution well, to the I, episode. I i
0: just wanted to mention before then is we get a wonderful scene because data doesn't have too much to do in this episode no but what we get is basically when picard goes no he's uh we're teleporting him to we're transporting him to the cell he storms off to his ready room and then data looks at him going off Uh, pulls a face and then turns around to look at troy yeah and then troy acknowledges it gets up and goes into the ready room and it's this wonderful little thing of going data doesn't do feelings data doesn't understand feelings but he can acknowledge them and even he is aware of this change that has come over picard and is effectively going hey i don't know anything about this get on it troy you know and it's this silent little scene we get which is just phenomenal i love i loved it
1: which is why um, classic classic Star Trek doesn't have to overact, doesn't have to cry or anything like that. It's it's simple. And again, this this was displayed in the the first episode of Picard season three, where again mm. it was just eye contact. Yeah, and like the audience knew just from the eye contact what was going on, what they were going on about. And it's the same with Data and Troy. Data, like Sanaya has said cannot he he has no emotion he is not programmed he has a chip but he doesn't he doesn't know emotion Mm. senses that there has been a change in picard's behavior looks at troy who also senses this change in behavior and troy goes into full hr mode goes (laughs) follows picard (laughs) into the ready room where she's just like she knows obviously the trauma that Picard has had because at the end of Best of Both Worlds, he goes through that full therapy with Troy. Because, you know, at the end of Best of Both Worlds, it's like, where do I begin? Yeah. Which is, yeah, where where would you begin with something as traumatic as that? She goes into the ready room, but Picard, as as stonewalled and as stoic as he is, doesn't want to discuss it. He does not want to discuss it. Uh, The decision has been made he that that is it he is fine, and he is just going to get on with it so so Troy just more or less gives up because she realizes she is not going to get to the root cause of it at this stage because she knows how he feels, and she, any any like prodding and poking of that will just. Agitating even
0: further it's the fact of he's dealing with it in his own, in his way. own way and it's the idea of she just needs she realizes that she just needs to be there when he does need her in those moments and she has a great line here which i wrote down which is basically even when a victim has dealt with his assault there are still residual effects of the event that linger yeah and if this idea of Picard is very much trying to do the, oh, that was years ago. I'm totally over it now. Let's just continue business as usual. And it's just going, no. You know, it, it's it like, never happened, it yeah. is fine to still be fucked up about this. Any,
1: anyone who's, who's ever had that situation knows it could be years down the line, but it could be something that will just, it'll flick a switch in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... Uh, God, I mean, it's nearly 20 years ago. I was very badly beaten and I was nearly paralysed um, for, for no apparent reason. Um, mm. And for the longest time, I was afraid of going out in the dark. And then there's, there's, there's still... And ironically, I I was fine for 15, well, I would say 10, 11 years. But then I was in Los Angeles and I was walking home in the dark in los angeles and it was just a a a switch that goes off in your head and then you're like well i thought i was over this i thought and it's like nope it will always be there that the, the the effects of a traumatic event no matter how long ago will always still uh be there it's like it's like mini ptsd
0: we, and I think it's very important that basically this episode came out, like, and, you know, they, we have this little scene here, and it's a, effectively addressing, like, you know, vic, you know like the victims, mm. and this is coming after the Vietnam War in America, and this is obviously, Gulf War. you know, it was very a lot rough. of parallels to, yeah. yeah, that's it, Gulf War, and there's a lot of parallels to obviously, like, rape and whatnot, where it's the fact of, you know, Troy mentions, look, you were assaulted, you were mutilated, you know, you know it's okay not to be fine about this yeah and and it's like you're saying it's very much like people who have suffered like that you know it's fine that they get twinges like you'll get stuff where if someone just touches you a certain way your brain will just be like nope and you don't mean it to happen and then you can control it and the 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 trick is reeling it in and going oh yeah cool don't don't react that way kind of thing but the brain immediately went there and I think it's cool that we're getting the depth for these characters that this person who started off so strong is having these moments and it's wonderful that in season three of Picard we kind of get it where Picard is kind of fine with it now like where he's not fine with it, but basically like where he has the discussion with Jack in the bar, where he's like going, "Hey, rain your fucking hate on me," like you know, or like you know, with um, he's just like rain your hate on me because I'm used to it. I can deal with this now, you know. And uh, I'm still not perfect, but you know, and and that's a wonderful little uh, progression. And this this episode is part of that tapestry of. It's Picard's... It's the first like, part uh, of
1: healing. This is the yeah. this is the first. Because, like I said, this is the first bit of interaction Picard has had with the Borg since Best of Both Worlds. And he plays, like, Patrick Stewart plays it absolutely perfectly. Because the next scene, when they're in the brig, um, Picard visits the drone, who is still unconscious, and Crusher states, you know, that some of the cybernetic implants are, are damaged. Uh, and they need to be repaired, otherwise he will die. But she originally says, "Well, they need to. They need to come out. They are damaged. They need to come out." And this is the first insight we have to Borg physiology, because Picard goes, "The body becomes dependent on the cybernetic implants that are put in by the Borg. If you take them out, he will die." Crusher then goes to Jard and goes, "Well, can't you just synthesize these new implants?" Jordy's like, well, I could, but I need to know the root cause of the programming. This sparks an idea in Picard's head where he's going. Well, if you can do that, mm. maybe we can learn the root cause uh, programming of uh, these these implants, the subroutines of these implants, and the you know the the sort of uh, I don't I don't know how you explain it in software or anything. Basically, the the um, what what do they call it? Like the not the algorithm, but sort of like the programming of the chip. Yeah, well, because the...
0: effectively, you could put something into the code. Because the fact is, there'll be so many little subroutines that you have inside them that it's easy enough to just put something in that just goes, oh, by the way, when you access this, run this as well. And that's where this idea of could they implant a virus or something malicious into his code. And then send him back into the collective. To
1: disable the bog, because we, the, the bog, as we know, as they are a hive mind, once this drone is connected, it's essentially like um, if anyone works in an office or anything like that, or, or mm. works with computers where your work will say if you receive something suspicious on your PC, the first thing mm. that you must do is either rip out the Ethernet cable or turn off the Wi Fi because if you have got a virus on your machine as the machine is networked that will then spread like wildfire what they want to do what the crew of the enterprise want to do is essentially program a virus into the borg drone send him back to the collective and when he is then synchronized with the collective that will then spread like wildfire throughout the the hive mind disabling them
0: we, and and this is the crazy thing, like as uh, we'll get into it when they actually when data is explaining the plan later, but it is actually actually kind of genius the oh, way that it would work area. because sorry I'm just yeah, I, the, the 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 chat is wonderful tonight. borgmilf One Hundred One
1: wants to connect with you. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> she's 49 and she's in red cut no you're right.
0: (laughs) but yeah i I love the idea of just all you do is put spam into their actual into the collective you just start putting pop-up ads well that's essentially though you you say that but that's really what the plan is as we find out later in the episode no not necessarily because you know if it was like if it was like a pop-up or something that would be like a sort of an annoyance. What they actually are planning is the idea of making it so that you just break everything. Because a pop-up is something that might slow things down or whatnot. But what they want to do is they want to put something in that the Borg will, uh oh, like they can't. They'll solve. dedicate. Res- yeah, it's a yeah. problem they can't solve. So they'll dedicate resource to it to the point where they'll have so much resource going into it that it then. Because they can't just give it up. It like they can't them. just not understand it, yeah. and then it'll just lock everything up. And you're just like going, and it's it's a wonderful idea, and it's crazy thinking that this came out in like 1992. I mean, essentially, I we could have just tasked them with mining Bitcoin. We, this is the thing. I mean, what a that's a lovely waste of energy as well, <laughs> but. <laughs> thankfully i think it's dead now but I mean, for now <laughs> for now fuck it up yeah but yeah um it's that those big, ninety uh, eight. that, that um, crypto guy got sent to prison for lying about his accounts and yeah
1: stuff. not enough um, that's Crazy. all i'm going to say um but yeah so that is that is the general um idea um shout out to the picard jacket which makes an appearance which is the no, straight on the screen there. Where is it? Straight on the screen there. The Picard jacket. Hey, uh, yeah. Where's the two-piece, where every Trekkie went nuts because we've got this uniform, this one right here, where every single fan is sick of doing this all yeah. the time. The Picard Then so we finally got the jacket. So we got the Picard jacket, where Patrick Stewart, Um, the, I mean, a little si- first tangent... The backstory on the Picard jacket is Patrick Stewart was absolutely sick to death of doing this all the time on screen because it constantly rides up. There's nothing you can do. It's just where the elastic band is on the waist. (laughs) So he said, can I have a two piece where it's essentially a jumper with uh, a jacket? Mm over it however it's like kirk with his green vest it's like only the captain has it and it's like a captain's prerogative to have like a variant so that's why you see the picard jacket but this is the one without the leather this is the uh cotton top at the top so it does um, look great i totally didn't notice
0: it as well and in in the scene while we're still in the prison cell though it's the fact of like we get a wonderful little bit of dialogue between uh crusher and picard which shows how fucking serious he is about this, about destroying the Borg. Now they've got this opportunity because they're viewing this Borg as an opportunity to destroy the Borg rather than an individual, rather than a person, uh, where where she is thinking of it as a person. But basically she just goes, infected, you make it sound like a disease, like referring to the code they're going to inject. And Picard replies with, quite right, Doctor, and if all goes well, A terminal one. And this is pretty hardcore. This is pretty pretty hardcore for the card. Yeah. Like pretty because he's he's
1: suggesting he's suggesting two things. One, I mean for the nineties, a biological weapon, but a biological weapon for the bog, which is like a cybernetic weapon. Two, Mm. fucking genocide.
0: Yeah. Which is what they're discussing the next day. I mean this is the, this is the whole thing the whole thing is basically like as we just learned in this scene if their implants stop working their their actual physical matter will die yeah. their biological matters so the actual people will just fall apart like they will just decompose they won't be maintained their body won't create like nutrients anymore and effectively, they're going, hey, we're just going to shut all their computers down so that every single person in the collective dies and rots. And we're talking billions of people. Yeah. And you just kind of go like, wow. And and the fact of, and this is the crazy thing, though. It's the idea of this is, because this is still the period where the Federation aren't used to war, like where they had the Klingon war, they got out of it. They finally got back into this sort of peace situation. And then the Borg are basically... Because they're in this peace situation. The Borg have kind of come along and going, oh, there's a threat. We need to kind of gear up on stuff. And that's why we start getting stuff like the Defiant built. Yeah. Uh, But it's before the actual Dominion War that happens in DS9. So it is kind of this... You know, and we're kind of seeing people who aren't used to war effectively going, so how do we deal with this situation? And... Thus, they're kind of jumping to Z, basically. Rather than B, they're going straight to Z. I think it's, with genocide. It's
1: the 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 introduction to the Borg. The introduction of the Borg sort of changed how I mean, in universe, how Starfleet saw exploration. Because Starfleet has always been about exploration and seeking hmm. out new life and scientific studies. And yeah, you you're right. That I mean, the the worst skirmishes all the way mm. through, like the early 2300s, like the Cardassian uh, skirmish, the war. I mean, it wasn't really a war, but it was a Cardassian incident. Like, a, I don't know how how you would call it, but prior to that... But the Cardassian incident. But prior to that, the last big war would have been the Klingon War, which is uh, just before the original series. Mm. So Starfleet at this point is sort of... They're all exploration. Their ships are geared towards exploration wolf 359 decimated their fleet now it says a a single bug cube did yeah and and it shows how small the fleet actually was because they say it was eleven thousand lives and like 43 ships so starfleet Mm. even in the 24th century was not that big and this led up to like a massive military investment because by ds9 there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ships that stuff, and I mean...
0: Yeah, and crazy stuff like the Defiant, where the Defiant being wonderful, because they're like, "Why, why did this not get properly commissioned? Well, it's because we just put too many guns on it. And it was infeasible, you know. And yeah, it's, it's like a, what the fuck. I, I
1: saw the DS Nine episode uh, recently, season four, when uh, they take the the uh, Cisco's wife comes back from the mirror universe, and mm. you know they they essentially want Cisco's help because they have built their version of the Defiant, and they're just like, well, we got it working, but then it tried to tear itself apart with the engines, and Cisco's just like, Death. yeah, it's overpowered. Yeah. And he's just yeah. Like, and, yeah and, okay.
0: I know Brian's like, yeah, it'll do that. It's, <laughs>
1: you know? Someone said it's like um, the, the in in car terms, it was like putting a V twelve in a Mazda MX five, which is just like a tiny little car where the engine is the same size as the car, where it'll just tear itself apart. Um,
0: so staff, but that's it, how panicked they are. Yeah, like, the fact is they're just like, okay, we like. Uh, I don't know. This is really obscure, but I don't know if anyone knows the amazing cult movie Split Second with Rutger Hauer uh, But it has one of my favourite lines in cinema, in which is like, we need guns, we need big. Fucking guns, yeah, <laughs> you know, and and that's effectively Star Trek is Star Starfleet reaction. And, and ironically, the the for
1: the first time. this is how you get stuff like the Akira class, which is what the USS Adequate is. It's an Akira class where it's just like how many torpedo tubes. Of which I know this. Oh <laughs> yes, you know that. Well,
0: yes. I'm inside it. I don't know what it looks like on the outside. Okay, <laughs>
1: a little a little shout out, uh, and I I haven't printed it out, but Mike Overton from Clone Star Podcast has mm. um created a certificate for me uh that sh- from Starfleet Command appointing me as captain of the Adequate, Akira class, <laughs> USS Adequate. Uh but it's stuff like that where it's like which is like it's it's one of the most popular like little un like non-hero ships. And it's just mm. like, how many torpedo tubes do you want? And the answer is yes. Because this has got like <laughs> yeah. this has got like this has got like, I believe Two, four, six, eight, uh, something like 20 to 30 torpedo launchers on it, Mm -hmm. where it's like, I can fire in every conceivable direction. I was built because of the Borg. And it's like the Defiant was built because of the Borg. And that's why you see in First Contact, when the Borg do come back, they're like, right. We have got this fleet now, and we are going to fucking yeah. tear shit up. They
0: immediately send warp going right. Okay, yeah, that's what the ship was made for. But it, and th- and that's exactly the thing, and it's very much. And this episode points out the whole that they jump to genocide as a solution because the Borg are this shadow in the war. That's they, how they serious are this, he's taking. Yeah, they are this black thing of just going. We don't know how we're going to deal with this, so we're just kind of hoping they don't attack. You know, where we're just hope we're just happy that they're over there for the time being. And I and it's kind of justified that that that's the wonderful thing. Everyone's actions in this episode are justified. That's why we did the poll, because everyone has a reasoning behind their stance on things. And at the end of the episode, and we'll
1: reveal the results of the poll because it has been quite divisive hmm. all the way through. The has game. it? Yes. It, I checked really it right. earlier,
0: but I don't know what's happened now. Really hey, Damon, was. how you doing? We we were just talking about you. We were all talking, of, because, we were talking about you, Damon. Because I was like, oh, my God, um, Damon. Oh, oh my God. Oh, He, God. he works he with Eli got... Roth. Hey, Eli Roth.
1: Thanks, Roth. Thanksgiving. Yeah. As they call it, thanks. Thanksgiving. thanks
0: Capital Thanksgiving. F. Capital <laughs> F for thanks. Uh, You've got to get enough spit out when you say Thanksgiving. As soon as, right. as
1: soon as get we get out know, my guys, pub, it, this is this is what we're going to have to do, guys. As soon as we know that Section Thirty-One is going into production, or mm-hmm. um Strange New Worlds is going back into production. We need we need to bang the fucking drum of Star Trek to say get him back on screen. Yes. Because he needs to be back in Star Trek. He needs the the love that this dude has for Star Trek, he needs we are living vicariously
0: through him. He is living the dream. I think it'd be. I think it'd be great to get them back because it's the fact of like Star Trek is always. You've always loved when you get like the extra that appears again. You know, yes. where you just have a couple of episodes and you're like, oh, that episode. He was could in be the new episode. Jeffrey Combs. He came back. You know, they they got them back. You know, he could be the Jeffrey Combs of New Trek. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: could play several different Combs,
0: The Jeffrey Combs of New Trek. No,
1: no, no. Jeffrey Combs
0: is the Jeffrey Combs
1: of all Trek. This could be Jeffrey okay. Combs 2.0. So he could be he could be like, I was a soldier in Strange New Worlds. Now I'm a lieutenant. Now I'm flying across the
0: bridge as the Enterprise gets blown up. We could do this, guys. We could <laughs> we could I have quite like the idea of, of this extra this extra character having an asc- an ascension off screen. But we could where the create next time law. you see them they'd be promoted. And then by the end there's some weird Q god. And it's like, maybe we should have been covering this in an episode. But, but, but we could never create, mind
1: hear me out. We could create law. So Damon that we see in Strange New Worlds is the great, 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 great grandfather of TNG Damon, who we see in Star Trek Legacy, who is also the great, 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 great father of the Damon we see in the Starfleet Academy series. It's in the 32nd century. And then in Section 31, it could be like the Multiverse of Madness where Michelle Yeoh just visits every single Damon in all the timelines. And it's just this, and they could be like, that
0: dude looks familiar. He's like, no, that was my grandfather. Anyway, and then just okay. move on. Lee, Lee, I'm afraid you need to get on Photoshop. I need to uh, Photoshop Goodwill doing the always sunny, you know, the, where he's got the massive board behind him with all of the lines. That's what that was, Goodwill. We're moving on. Hello, Cayman. Um, but yeah, um, I I we'll, love. I love this, is this the for scene Kr- where they're talking about morality in the ready room. Yes, this is this. No, no, it's no. no, no. Ready room it's the, it's, war the, observa- room it's the
1: observation lounge, my dear. My dear Sadoid. Because Crusher really has serious concerns. Because she's, she's more or less. She's not saying it, but she's like, you guys want to commit genocide.
0: I think she does say it. I think she the word is bandied about. Like in its. And, and it is interesting because like the archetype that we get from Crusher in this episode is just caring, yeah. where she is very much the kind of wolf. like, yeah, it is. And it's, and she's very much a mom in this episode. She's very much a person who's just like, Hey, I don't really understand the bigger picture, but could we just not kill people, you know? And, and obviously it's very naive in the scheme of things, but, it's valid. It's yeah. a fully valid stance to have, and she is kind of voice of reason because, like, everyone in this could be is wrong, and also right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that sounds so confusing. But, but
1: it. no, because as as the Borg regains consciousness, Picard is just still steadfast. He's like, "We are proceeding mm. with this plan. I am the captain. I am giving the orders." This yeah. is like this is this is hardcore Picard. This is where he has no feelings this is the mission, this is what they are going to do. If you don't like it, step aside because someone else will do it. This yeah. is how, This is like legit, serious Picard. Which mm. is like something you... Yes, he's, he's, he's always serious in Star Trek, but this is just like, no, he means business this time, and he will replace you. Um, and I just love the fact that Crusher sees this and is just like, no... I will. I will carry out the orders, but I am strongly objecting to this. I disagree
0: vehemently mm. with this decision. Um, and this is the weird thing because this is we we get this conflict between like uh, you know Picard and Crusher a lot. Yeah. Like most of the time we don't. Like most of the time in Enterprise, like sort of uh, Archer and Flocks tend to sort of always be on the same page. There's. One episode or not? Or it's two, normally Archer not. and To Paul where they butt heads. Yeah, 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 that's it. And it's like all of these things, like even like Cisco. Yeah, Cisco is pretty good with Bashir. Bashir tends to be the sort of naive, silly one kind of thing. But we do get them butting heads a lot because Picard is very much about duty and about sort of hey, here's what needs to be done. Whereas Crusher is very much like raw morality. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Raw ginger.
1: Oh no, she's raw, raw ginger. ginger. <laughs> as, as well as being a candle slug, But yeah, she, cause, so they go to the brig because the, 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 the drone has regained consciousness and the drone being a bored drone, because he can't find the signal, he's got no 5G, the, the wireless is down. He's trying <laughs> to connect to the Collective, and he's trying to find a way to do so. He's transmitting distress signals, but the Enterprise is blocking them. And it's kind of how pitiful it
0: is. Like, it's yeah. the fact that this is a single Borg drone, it, and and the shot basically demonstrates that he is just a single creature in a big like cell. Uh, and he's wandering around the room, and he's trying to sort of touch everything, and he's looking for plug sockets, and he's trying to find something that he can do. And then eventually, while Geordie and Crusher are talking about him, he just stops. He just gives up, stops, and just looks at them, looking, like, really terrified. And Crusher, obviously, is going, like, hey, he he looks scared. Yeah. You know, and and it's that weirdness there of this is the Borg. This is the death of worlds. And effectively, they're just going, wow. It's, you it's know, really, it's human.
1: It's really good, though, that... I think the casting for this was brilliant because Jonathan DeLarco is, is perfect for this because he's got that youthful... I mean, I, mm. I, guys, I was shocked when Sonoy said that filming this 30 years ago, he was 26. I could have thought, I could have swore he was 17 because but he's got, got weird that thing youthful is- look in his face. And I think the fact that he looks so young, he's, he's able to portray fear but fear is a drone, where it's just like very little emotion, it's just the very subliminal, uh, uh, very um,
0: little facial expressions. Well, jo- Jonathan De- DeLarco has one of those wonderful faces, it's one of my favourite kinds of faces, but where he has it where the lips are very expressive, Yes. so it has this thing where the distinction between frowning and smiling is very like sort of big. And, you know, when it comes on immediately. And so it means that as over the course of the episode, as he starts being a bit more human and a bit more emotional, all it takes is a little twinge of his face yeah. to like light, to change the mood rather than someone who is like very stoic and very sort of with one a, a eye as wonderful well. casting. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And, and I think that's the wonderful thing because it's the idea of just going like, his whole role is to be a robot like yeah. literally his he has a he has an effect over his voice for the whole thing so basically you can't hear how he actually sounds and effectively it's difficult it's like going hey be deadpan but also uh be deadpan be covered in uh, makeup so we can't actually see like your blushing or skin tone or anything half of your face is covered by prosthetics but also be really emotional and let us know how you're feeling at all times and it's like Well done! Well done. It's really impressive because obviously, and also, I'm glad that he's older. I'm glad that he's 26 because just inside a gossip, Jonathan Alarco is one of the the hotties of Trek in the gay community because he is one of our ilk. He is one of our ilk, uh, and people are very pleased about that. Actually, there's quite a lot. There's quite a lot of sort of the younger actors who were in Trek that came out like later on. He's he's a but he's genuinely a
1: wonderful human being as well.
0: Well, that's it. He has had such an amazing following, like online and in the community, for like such a long time. So it's great knowing that he's a good person, but also an amazing actor. And it is kind of scary because he does look like teens in this episode. Uh, And yeah, he was in his like mid late twenties, which is really
1: old. So they identify that obviously, as the Borg don't eat, and that the the implants provide all the nourishment. That he's also seeking sustenance. And, he, you know, the the drone is essentially a USB-A output and the cell <laughs> is all USB-C. So the dude can't plug in to get his nutrients. So Picard just orders, and I love this. He doesn't it, have a
0: wireless charging but desk. I, but like I love you. this
1: because, yeah. <laughs> um, but Picard still refers to the drone as an it. So he goes, mm. feed it before he yeah. walks away. I do like the next scene, or no, the fencing scene, because only on a Galaxy-class starship could you have a fucking fencing room.
0: <laughs> that is how middle-class it... this ship is. Well, I wasn't sure if it was the hollow deck and then it's no, like... No, it's a
1: fencing no, room. No, it's a room. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's actually... There's a, there's a, there's a Starfleet but, decal. there's the two
0: people that use it. <laughs> yeah.
1: There is a Starfleet decal on the backdrop that says fencing. The, 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 I mean... This is how big a galaxy-class starship is, where it's just like, should we have, like, uh, science lab, uh, you know, zoological yeah. research? No. We need fencing.
0: Well, this is the thing that even even in the uh, the, end, the original Enterprise uh, that we had in the episode that we did last week, the they alley. mentioned that they've got tons of labs. And obviously, we only see one of them because budget. But the idea of they're like, no, no, we have loads of labs do it, like working on this, and you're like, yeah, I kind of forgot how big the ship is, technically. But it's because everyone fucking teleports everywhere. Balling
1: alley on the But they're like, oh, enterprise. I need to get from
0: engineering to this. I need to get across 50 decks. And then you're like, you did that in five seconds. How? <laughs> because there was no exposition. So um,
1: yeah, a nice little fencing scene between Guinan and Picard. Uh, Guinan, Whoopi Goldberg, as we all know, huge Star Trek fan, very wise. In in you know she she is essentially the the wise bartender that was introduced in season two. Um, and Guinan doesn't really understand why Picard
0: brought the drone aboard. Um, well, it's a bit of a reveal because they're fencing, is. and they're both wearing the masks and stuff, and then obviously they fight and Picard wins and then we find out that he was fencing against Guinan, uh, who takes her mask off and vigorous yeah, not touching wearing a crazy happens, hat for a change. As they say in fencing, vigorous touching. We're, we're this, this is the weird thing though, because Guinan has a history of like, lying to get the right response from someone. Yes. So you kind of get this feeling of whenever she loses in fencing you're like, oh, but did you deliberately lose in order to make some kind of point? Like this is the wonderful uh, thing and what I love about this is we get to see a darker side of Gynen. We get to see a more personal side of Gynen in this episode because they are always caring. They are they're always caring, they're always loving, they're always there and willing to give their time for other people. That's what their race does. That's what the Auror or Aurorians El- El-Oryans. that's what the Elorians like do they listen and they improve people's lives mainly i think well that's what soren says in generations we are we are a
1: race of listeners
0: yeah that's it all gambling enthusiasts as we saw in ds9 mm-hmm. but um but and this and then we literally just get a scene here where she's just like why did you bring the borg on board why have you done this? We need to kill it. We need to kill all the Borg. And it is very much her attacking Picard for going, I thought you knew better than this. Like, And this is the interesting thing, because the episode is posed in a morality sense. Yes. Like It's all directed towards this kind of, oh, we can re- rehabilitate the enemy, we can do this. But I found watching it now after Picard and after what we see happens because of this episode, yes. the whole wider reaching part of that, I kind of go, you can frame this as Guinan's still the good guy. Like Guinan is kind of coming in and being like, yeah, don't do this. Here's the decision you need to do. This is the best decision for the universe. What you do here. She's she's fully,
1: she she's... Because obviously, a backstory with the Elorians, they lost their homeworld to the Borg, and a large majority of their race was assimilated by the Borg. So the Elorians mm. drift around the galaxy. Um, yeah. Because we see, we first, I mean, it, we see Gannon in season two of TNG, but the origin is she was saved by the Enterprise B uh, mm. as she was part of a refugee transport coming to Earth from the attack from the Borg the hatred that she has of the Borg runs deep. And you think Picard hates the Bog, Ganon hates them like with every fibre of her being. And we do get this lovely uh this lovely uh to and from because Picard's just basically like like Sanoza said is like we can re you know we can rehabilitate but he's like he's got a plan. We are using this drone to uh essentially deal with the borg on a wider scale they go back mm. to fencing gynan fakes an injury so picard takes sympathy on her lets his guard down and then she gets the the touch which is like the, a, a stab in fencing, killing, blow, yeah. killing blow and she goes you felt sorry for me and look what it got you
0: yeah and, and it is very much this whole like whatever your plan is is it worth playing with fire
1: yeah Because we all know, I mean, at this point in Star Trek, we all know how dangerous and how terrifying the Borg is and how they will not stop because they have got no reason to stop. So Mm. they will just continue wave after wave after wave. And she's sort of like, basically, you should have just left them, destroyed them, or just ran. You know, run, run away don't put everyone at risk because you felt sympathy for one nameless
0: drawn out of billions.
1: And it's... So, fa-
0: Sorry, Carrie. No, go on. No, but, and, and so what we're seeing here is we're seeing Guinan's PTSD reaching uh, the surface. So yes. we're getting it from both Picard and we're getting it from Guinan, where someone who is so cool-headed can also be a no... Stop this, get out of this situation, run away, because that has been her solution. Like she only survived because she ran away.
1: And it's, it's, it seemed like it's, it's really good to see Ghana like that because we've only seen her react once or twice before, once with the Q, obviously, mm. because we all know what I mean.
0: Um, we, we do that, and, and they have a more kind of, Oh, we know how to deal with the cube, yeah. And obviously, it's not revealed till later how the Alorians El- El- like can deal with the cube, but it's the fact that they're very much a kind of okay, you're a dick, please leave. It's not fear; it's kind of oh god, but what's then, this? but
1: then we see it in season two when the Borg are first introduced, yeah. Where we see like this, you know, this this chill bartender come in and say, "Look, you if you get in touch with you, like if you encounter the, you are fucked." Yeah. And I can't describe how fucked you are. This is what you need to do. And, you know, Starfleet being Starfleet, don't just run away, but she's turning around and said, you need to run and yeah. you need to prepare and bide your time. Because if they get it, it's like, the. I think she, I mean, she doesn't reference it on screen, but she parodies it like Bloodhounds, where when they get a sense... Like a, a like a, a, mm. a smell or a sniffer, they will not let go. So she's like, "If you meet them now, you better be prepared for it." And I love the fact that this ties in because we're on about like it was inevitable that we were going to encounter the Borg in that episode, and mm. it's like it ties into the the season two episode of Enterprise where in twenty one fifty two they sent a signal to the Delta Quadrant or. But it won't reach them for two hundred years, and then two hundred years yeah. later, you see the Borg heading towards the Alpha Quadrant. Um, but it's 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 surprising at this stage in Star Trek to see Guinan so uh, rattled, rattled, but so determined in her belief that no, let them
0: die. Yeah, they which is the opposite. Just, is yeah. The opposite of her usual stance. It, but yeah, I I absolutely love this scene, and I, Guinan is so amazing. Whoopi Goldberg is so amazing. It's why Picard season two was such a slap in the face that they were like, we're getting Whoopi Goldberg back, for Five for two minutes. episodes. And you're just like, oh, and, and we're gonna give a shit dialogue. It was, yeah, it was very annoying, yeah. Uh, but uh, back- but yeah, Guinan is one of the highlights of next gen for me. But
1: uh, back in the the, the, the south- next
0: thing we get is where the Jordy's installing the plug socket, isn't
1: he? Yeah, he's installing the USB A <laughs> for uh, for the drone, uh, and this is where we see the drone become curious in its own individual way. Um, mm. because obviously, being the Borg, he's like, we are Borg, you will be simulated, blah blah blah. blah. Um, the drone states that we must uh, return to the collective. He's still using a you know a collective pronoun we instead of I. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out that his name. Because the is...
0: Borg don't use, uh, they don't use any individual. Pronouns. No, because they, they are all. one. They don't say I. Everything is we or us. Yeah, you know
1: they are, they are all one. He identifies himself though as third of five. Which is, you know, the the, the third drone because there was five drones in the ship. He was the third mm. of those five drones. Um, he installs the conduit, so the, the drone begins to feed, and then the the drone sort of asks, "Why? Why have you? Yeah. you know, why have you <clears throat> done this?" Which is the first sense of individuality that we see from this drone. You know, why why have you helped me? And he's just like, "It's what we do." It is it, it it is yeah. what we do. We we help. We we explore. We study. Um, I I put a little note here and I know it's it's daft because it's going to take out. But the backdrop of the brig um, was an old bridge set which they used for some like season one and two starships and the Enterprise C and stuff <laughs> like that. And they've just redressed it as a brig. I didn't know reason. that. Um, don't ask why I know that. But uh, yeah, so the drone is asking why are they helping? The lab uh, is the next scene um mm. where again it's a good dialogue between crusher and Jordy because jolly reveals that he's rationing uh the drones uh food essentially yeah. and basically he is
0: dealing with he is dealing with the drone uh the drone in a scientific way of going like like uh no it's not shooting his cat it's um oh who's the guy who rung the bell and the dog ate the food Oh, oh, Pavlov. Pavlov, Pavlov yeah. Yes. And he's doing that where he's basically going, hey, when I starve the drone, it starts doing what I say so we can kind of condition it this way. And it's... And obviously, I'm quite impressed that he's done this in a matter of hours because how many times does a Borg need energy? But still, you know... He's a growing and mind. It, But it's the idea of he's, he's still thinking about the drone not as an individual, but as a sort of a puzzle to be solved, you know? Yeah. Whereas Crusher is very much thinking about it like a lost child, which is how she's reacting to it. It's wonderful.
1: Well, she compares uh, how the way Jody's treating the drone as a rat in a cage. Yeah, But Geordi justifies it because he's like, I, I'm trying to find out the root commands. I'm trying to find out how he ticks so I can perform the orders I have been given by the captain to, you know, essentially send him back with this virus. The beam, the drone... Yeah. Um... Well,
0: it, it, Crusher has an amazing line when they're talking about the virus that she is like, I'm here to help, but I don't have to like it. Where she's yeah. got orders to help out with this plan to do the virus and keep the drone alive so that they can send this virus back. But she is very much protesting it.
1: But this is the first instance where, once they've been the drone into the lab, Crusher um, asks for his name. He says third of five. They go, oh, that's never going to do. And they come up with a name. What was it? Hugh? But they,
0: they, yeah, they come up basically, you, what's your designation? It. And she's like, oh, I'm Beverly. I'm Geordie. And then it's like, oh. Uh, Who are you? Know, you? What- or something yeah. like that. And he
1: goes, I am you. And she goes, and Geordie's just like, no, Hugh. So they give him yeah. a personal designation of Hugh.
0: And it's a really cute little touching moment in this because they have a bit of a giggle, the first little giggle with a with a borg, you know? That's how, that's how monumental this scene is, that they're having a little bit of a giggle with a borg. It's basically, you know, she's like, okay, uh, I am Beverly, I am Geordie, we are Hugh. And it's this love, you know, and then they have a bit of a giggle. It's and and I also love the idea that throughout this scene, Hugh is saying to them like, "Oh, uh, resistance is futile. Yeah. You will be assimilated." And you can, and it's very much the idea of a call center worker having a script, like you know, having the sort of "Oh, read the script." Say the things you don't need to mean them, but you're required to do them, and it feels very much like this half hearted kind of I don't really believe in this, but uh, is you, there anything else I can help you with today? Yeah, well, well, um, resistance is futile, um, and you will be your collective, <laughs> you know. You're...
1: But this is this is again this, though, uh, as they are doing the test, this is the first insight we have into Borg law, um, because he goes on about uh, how he's cut off from the collective yeah. and how he states that in his mind, he hears thousands of voices all the time. Whereas um, on the enterprise, he doesn't hear anything. And Crusher, you know, Crusher says, well, he must be lonely. Yeah. Crusher suspects that Hugh is lonely. Um,
0: but then he that also- becomes a thing throughout the episode. Yeah. Where Hugh is able to, emph- you know, empathize with the other crew members by realising that this is what loneliness is.
1: Yeah. But he does ask a poignant question to both Crusher and Jody: What mm. will they do with him once they have finished performing their tests? And they both look at each yeah. other. Again, eye contact, even though Jody is behind the visor. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, that yeah, but... contact where they just <laughs> go, we will return you home to your people.
0: Which isn't a lie
1: it's not a lie it's not a lie people don't you know why they're returning a haunted to the people and um, I also
0: forgot um in in the scene we just had before they give a name to him uh they're talking about their names and then Hugh asks do I have a name and Geordie quizzically goes do you want one you yeah know? and it is just and it's just such an interesting thing because it's like the way Geordie acts it is amazing because it's just this idea of just being like uh, this is not in the script for dealing with a killing machine, you know? But
1: then we see in 10 forward where Geordi wrestling with a morality of like, he's, he's gotten to know Hugh um, mm. and he's having second thoughts about doing what he's been ordered by the captain. And again, this is Guinan uh, stepping in basically doing what she did to Picard saying, Hey, why are you personalizing this, this thing, this
0: killing yeah. machine? Like you gave it a name, yeah.
1: you know, <laughs> like, uh, and referring to him like some sort of lost child, where it's 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 a thing. It's something that it kills people, um, and you know, Gannon is obviously with Picard, but about programming with a virus and sending him back to the Borg so that he can be destroyed.
0: Um, well, G- Gannon's not like it. It's. The, this is the this is the thing. It's like on the poll, we probably should have put another option of Guinan, which is like don't wipe its memory, don't do anything, allowed, just put it back yeah. where you found it, and just run away. I was only and allowed a certain
1: amount on the poll as well, so well, well, I hit the limit. I, I didn't I didn't think to
0: suggest it as an option, but that is the other option is Guinan is just going to run away. But I don't think anyone would have chosen that one because no. it's not a good option. But it's but Jody it says,
1: insists. Well, like Jody <clears> does <throat> insist though. That guy go and
0: speak with the drone uh yeah. which, and, and guynan's like i i have nothing to say to it yeah so geordie has the best line his best line of the episode which is then why don't you just listen isn't yeah. that what you people do and it is just like brilliant that's the thing yeah you
1: know uh back on the bridge we find out that the ball Hold on, i
0: just want to point out note that in this scene with geordie Guinan is wearing a purple outfit like the typical hat oh, it's beautiful, she's wearing a purple velour outfit
1: yeah and then she goes to turquoise later on uh, in yeah. the scene after this because back at the bridge we find that there is a bog vessel coming to rescue the drones and it's 31 uh 31 hours and seven minutes away so they've got 31 hours and seven minutes to find a way to program a virus and send Hugh back to the uh, drones
0: Back mm. in, And the... they, they have a plan to hide in the sun's corona, yeah. When the Borg appear, to and therefore the, the Borg won't be able to spot them, apparently. Yeah, to shield,
1: it says, right? I that little image, sense. that lovely little image there, you've seen in the D below there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Guinan, though, uh, then adorns her to Quas get up. Uh, See, I, I love this because it's it, in TNG.
0: It, I, I, I'm actually gonna go to my designer and say, like, please, Opium, can you please. Make me a Guinan outfit. <gasps> I want a drag outfit a that Lurian has the Guinan snatch. hat. I just love it. I love it so much that that it's so distinct, you know. And, and all it is is just like a a, a shape, but then with velour draped uh, over it. And it's it's so effective. It's one you can see her head underneath it, you know. Yeah. Like you can see the sort of that it's just effectively a fancy hat. But I love it. I love Guinan's look throughout the whole uh, show. But yeah, but I love the fact that she got changed to see the Borg. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's not hours later. Like, and I just love that she has a sort of, oh, well, that was my formal workwear that I was purple workwear. This is my different, same outfit, but a different color, you know.
1: Turquoise to meet your enemy. Yeah, I I, I just
0: love it where there's obviously, it kind of suggests that there's some kind of level of Guinan's outfits. Like, you know, but they still look the same for anything but like... it's, it's very
1: clear in the scene though even just from her eyes the hatred that gynon has yeah. towards this drone because of what the borg had done to her people mm. um quite obviously blames the Borg for the destruction of the race and taking over the homeworld. but she turns because of hugh and again it's that theme of loneliness that hugh uh passes on where she's like you, you took everything from me you you took my planet My my people are scattered amongst uh, the galaxy, and Hugh just goes. So like me, you two are lonely.
0: Yeah, and she's like, Yeah, what the fuck, you know? Yeah, it is. It is It's absolutely fantastic. The whole the whole scene, like um, it it's the fact of like that we're seeing that Hugh is realizing that the doctrine he's grown up with is wrong mm. like so in this scene he meets someone who resisted the borg and survived so he's learned that resistance isn't futile yeah and then also it's the fact of like because you know she she comes up to him and just says oh resistance is futile uh, and then he's like resistance is futile you know, as if he's not quite sure. Like it's like she's saying, "Oh, aren't you supposed to be saying these things to me?" And he's like, "Well, uh, I don't really know anymore. I don't, yeah. you know." And it's he starts to question. Wonderful, yeah. yeah. And, and like we were saying earlier, Jonathan Delarco's uh, characterization, where you get this wonderful innocence and this wonderful kind of lost child-like vibe from him, very much in this scene where she comes in on the attack, and he's like. I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm just lonely and scared, and it's it's really touching.
1: It's really touching, but then the the next scene also when when Geordie's studying his prosthesis, um, mm. where Jordi's you know because he was like, why why are you doing this? We st- you know I'm studying your prosthesis so we can know more about you. But when you're assimilated, you know when we assimilate, we just know everything straight away. And he's like, yeah. we don't we don't do that um and yeah we going, don't want to be yeah, assimilated. we don't want to be assimilated and he's like you know the, the the speech about individuality where it's just like if i am an individual i choose my own fate i choose what i want to do with my life if that is taken away from me that is a fate worse than death yeah um and then hugh asks which is
0: stuff that hugh uses later in an argument which yeah. is wonderful uh, but he's smoking everything in like a sponge but he he asks geordie if geordie gets lonely
1: And then Geordie comes back with, well, sometimes I do, but that is why I have friends. And I love this touching moment where Hmm. Hugh's just like, friends? And he's like, yeah, you know, people and people you know, people you work with. He's like, is Jodie like, is Hugh friend? And I was just like, oh.
0: See, I... I love I love that throughout Star Trek, like next generation Geordie is the fucking bot whisperer, <laughs> like the fact that his best mate is fucking data, who's a robot he makes fre you know he has like sort of Hugh fawning over him and then like uh we he has a holographic girlfriend technically oh, uh, oh, oh. It's a touchy. Subject. Oh. I love the fact they tackle Mr. that head on. I do like that, but yeah, go on. No, I, I'm I'm glad that they do, to yeah. be fair. Like, I actually, we're not on that episode where, you know, but I had a, I was discussing with um one of the Mr. Gay, the former Mr. Gay uh, winners, because they were on a TV show and they were talking about, is it okay to objectify men? And it's very much this kind of, weirdness of with the internet like like i joke about celebrities and stuff like i'm talking about like trip tucker and stuff we and talk about lee. Saying, yeah that's it about lee where we talk about like how sexy people are and stuff like that but it's the fact of you are objectifying them without their permission yeah. and the idea of them just being out there does that give you permission to kind of lust for that and what level of you know when you know when someone is someone allowed to say, no, you're not allowed to do that? And that's effectively that sort of consent that we kind of assume, like obviously touching, we know touching is wrong, mm-hmm. but then, you know, when people have images on the internet or whatever, or someone does a thirst post on Instagram, does that immediately mean that they consent to that? It's, it's the same as asking a woman, oh, she was asking for it because of what she was wearing. And so in that episode with Geordie, we kind of go, wow, so her files are online, like a holographic model is online. Is it okay to fall in love and, and lust after them? And th- I I hope we get that episode because it's a wonderful moral quandary that we can parallel a lot to it. it the world at the moment, you know? It, it does
1: bring up ethical quandaries in regards to holodecks and characters... Because it's just like, oh, you know, computer, bring me a, a, an avatar of Diana Troy, And like, yeah. no one questions it. No one flags it. Like, y- you would think in terms of something like that, you know, it- it's like you're on a holodeck on the Enterprise, right? Your superior is, I don't know, uh, Kieran Nerys from DS. I mean, yeah. we see that in, with mean,
0: Quark's I mean- Bar. We get a whole episode about that, but maybe they should do it. You know how? But Have the you, system doesn't flag it, but the system wouldn't flag it up. So
1: if if you're yeah. like, if someone, there should be a thing where it's just like, your avatar is being used in this. And it's just like, this is the whole point of, this is why the SAG-AFTRA was striking about AI, where it's just like these yeah. studios were going, hey, we'll use you once. We'll scan you, take a sample of your voice, and then we will just use that and we will objectify you via AI. And it's, it's, yeah. it's a similar thing to what Barclay did on the holodeck in TNG. And, well, and it's it's, and it's so wrong. Joddy, like, yeah.
0: Imagine if you took a scan of an actor... And then you made them do something that that actor wouldn't be comfortable with. Like you yeah. sort of yeah, put a, made a scan of an actor and then you put them in a, a sex scene or something. Yeah. And yes, it's not their body that you're actually showing. It's like a computer generated one. But it's still, there's no disconnect. It's between... their likeness. Yeah. yeah. And that is, this is the whole thing. This is why we go, we need legal stuff in place to go. You won't be doing that, thank you yeah. very much. That's that's why when they do stuff like in Star Wars, where they got like where they recreated a uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Um, when they recreated him, and I think they did a great job, but they needed permission from his family and stuff to be like, hey, are we kind of allowed to do that? Like, are you okay with that? You know, it's it's terrifying. Um. Yeah. Anyway, back, sorry, sorry. Back back I to Lee. The... You better hope that technology doesn't exist.
1: Christ. Good, I (laughs) mean,
0: you will... Wow, I'm going to
1: burn that holodeck down. Um, (laughs) In the observation lounge, Jody has completed his uh, programming and he has been able to devise... Was it a geometric shape...
0: I didn't write it down because I thought you would. I just wrote down paradox shape. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's like a geometric shape where it's unsolvable because it's not physically possible uh, within the the physical laws of the universe. But what it does, it means so they they put it into. It is hilarious,
0: though, because they have a representation of it. And yeah. they're literally like, OK, this is absolutely impossible to generate an image of this. But here is one in the background. It, here's like, an example. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but essentially what it does, they plant it. It's not a, it's not a virus per se, but it's, it's designed to overclock the processes of the bog to a point where they are dedicated so many resources to it that they just shut down
0: so because they won't be able to let go of it <laughs> yeah so, so it's like, the, the drone will take it back and then it'll stash it and go hey i can't deal with this right now so i'll keep it in memory and then the next drone will come along and go oh i'll process it oh okay but it I'll goes up the chain re- and then yeah. the next one yeah it goes and up the chain everyone- from like a, and
1: it goes to drone to like Uh, a higher computer and then a higher computer then a higher computer to the point where it's like the central Unimatrix is trying to solve it, all the resources are dedicated to it, it cannot dedicate anything else to run the collective and then it just essentially shuts down it, it just yeah. you know it's essentially what you are doing for, for anyone it's plugging in way too many powerful usb ports into your pc and then going <laughs> why did it shut down because so much power is trying to be used and it's like nope, can't do it it just it, it shuts down
0: and this is the thing and this is very much them finding an actual flaw in the borg yeah like where the idea of the borg can't just put something aside like it's it's i think it's the next episode or whatever we get it where data demonstrates that he's not like the borg because he is able to just be like oh that's a lost cause never mind and then just abandon it yeah that's confusing and then sort of gives up in the middle of something whereas the borg can't because they're perfect They, they need to they will be able to solve everything because they know how to solve everything there isn't a. there isn't an exception condition in for them not being able to deal with a bit of information or a problem. They just keep fucking hitting it until they do that. Like, that's why the Borg retreating, when we eventually see that in Voyager, is like, oh, that's never happened before. They either get destroyed or they win. They've like,
1: evolved at that, sp- yeah. at that point, yeah.
0: And But it's the, the idea of them understanding the Borg enough at this point to know that this will fuck them up. Yeah, yeah. This is also where we see
1: Jordi uh, speak to Picard uh, about his uh, misgivings about the, the plan and that he's having second thoughts about the plan um, because he's gotten to know the drone. The drone is no longer... He, he said he's, he's more individual. He's, he's regaining his individuality. And Picard still being Stonewall and emotionally blocking his feelings just goes to Jordi I suggest that you unattach yourself from the drone. Yeah. And then we get a lovely scene in Picard's quarters where we've Wait, got the deep. Thing.
0: Picard. Picard mentions he makes a par- uh, parallel between laboratory animals yeah. and about how in the past scientists would uh, like you know get close to their laboratory animals even though they were intending to kill them through experiments, and it's a pretty brutal thing. But you can tell that Picard is like, mm, "I need to." St- take a backseat to logic on
1: this one. Lee's just said if the Borg are so advanced, they, shouldn't have, they should have something other than cables. Lee, 30 years ago, the Borg were the first wireless chargers. So anyway... The that ne- is
0: a very good point, actually. Yeah. How so, crazy is that? Um,
1: we do get the next scene, Picard, Deep V, uh, where he's about to go to bed with a cup of veiled grey, and we get a lovely <laughs> scene with Guinan, who, yeah. since visiting Hugh, has changed her tune in regards to what they are going to do with the um, with the drone, with the Borg. Um Picard admits he has not talked to the drone. He, he doesn't want to talk to the drone. He feels no purpose would be, like nothing would be served by talking to the drone. Um, and we get the first outburst uh, from Picard in regards mm. to this, where Garning is trying to convince him to visit, and he's just going, damn it, he, he's not a person, damn it. It's a bog, and he's still referring to to Hugh as an it as well, to disassociate yeah. that it is a living being. Um, and I love the fact that Guinan says, "If you are going to use this person to destroy his race, you should at least look him in the eye before
0: you do it." And this is what a turnaround from Guinan. Yeah, like for her to for her to jump to being like this. And being very much like, "Hey, I," it totally changed me. Meeting the Borg and realizing that it is a person actually changed it, me.
1: It's very relevant, though, for for people to 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 take heed of this in in Star Trek. And again, this is you know one of the great moral lessons that Star Trek teaches, where it's just like, you can have an opinion and have that opinion not yours. Decades by this point, because Guinan's world was destroyed like seventy, eighty years ago before The Next Generation. She's had this hatred for 80 years. Her opinion changed by speaking to Hugh. And it's great to see that, you know, someone can have this hatred, but when they talk to the person that, that they hate and they understand, their opinion can change. And it shows the growth. Even after 80 years... People can grow and develop a different opinion and change their opinion and, and say, well, yeah, maybe what we are going to do is not the right thing. Is not mm-hmm. the you know, it's not morally correct. And her trying to convince Picard of that, um, you know, and basically say you, you need to look him in the eye. If you if you were going to use him to destroy his race, look him in the eye before you do it. Actually. Speak to the person and see the person that you are using as a weapon before you do. I mean, if only, say, Israel did that. But, (laughs) oh, 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 oh. back in a ready (laughs) room. But no, I I love the next scene in a ready room because Picard is going to speak to Hugh alone. Mm. Hugh disarms Picard straight away. And I love this because Hugh just goes, Locutus.
0: Well, actually, I just want to mention before this is the fact of in the scene with Guinan, Picard loses his shit. He yeah. actually yells. He's he not, just a goes, person, it's not a, a person. It's yeah. a bog And you just see this kind of, I want this to be true. I need this to be true because I don't want this situation overcomplicated with Morals, you know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, with sort of feelings. Situations, very much simple. like. And, and this is reflecting him being so stoic and him sort of just going, distancing himself from the situation, being like, I don't want to get too deep into it because that's too much for me right now. But it looks like I'm going to fucking have to. But, but it's
1: also, if the situation is simple and I don't get into it, my decision is still morally justifiable. There is no grey area. It is black and white. Whereas if I get involved, an element of greyness will be brought into this, which is what he's worried about. He doesn't want that moral quandary. However, he does meet with Hugh alone. Mm. And immediately, like I said, he gets disowned by Hugh because Hugh just goes, the cutest what are you doing yeah. here and picard on a dime comes up with the idea of if he if he portrays himself as lacutus can he distance picard from the situation and convince that convince hugh that lacutus is there because he is facilitating the assimilation of this culture into the collective mm. can he play the lacutus persona to protect himself but also convince hugh that he is still borg and that there is a plan in place and this is why you know we we are studying you and sending you back to the
0: collective he's effectively testing the borg he's basically just going hey you're a borg you need like you need to respond like a borg and what we get is basically hugh not hugh being like Oh, I don't really know how to be a Borg right now. I'm very But he tests him straight away individual because he goes, and confused. Yeah, because you
1: know? he goes designation and and Hugh just goes, Hugh, that's an invalid designation. What is your yeah, designation? Yeah, he goes, we are we
0: are Hugh, and he's like, No, it's like Hugh, and he's like, No, what's your designation? We are Hugh. And he's yeah. like, No, that is not a Borg designation. And then and then Hugh's just like, uh, oh Three of five, and like, he's, like he's just remembered it. Like, Hugh, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot, that's but, my other name. But know. Hugh also
1: says, you know, this, this culture is, does not want to be assimilated. It, You know, it, it does not, you know, and Picard being accused is like irrelevant. What they want is irrelevant. They will be assimilated. Yeah. Uh, but what if, you know, people will run?
0: We will find them resistance you it's like resistance is futile and he's like but people have escaped yeah people have escaped and it's like we will find them and then obviously the zinger is basically like you know uh what if you assimilate geordie geordie doesn't want to be assimilated you know yeah and it's and, and you know and then and then we get it they get the fucking line of the whole thing which is basically Picard just being like, no, you are Borg, you will assist us, I will not. Not assist you, what did you say? And, it, and it's the idea that he just says, I will not, and Picard just stops and yes. just goes, you just referred to yourself as I, and this is a massive deal in Trek. This is the idea of this sentience, like where we basically just go, oh, they are an individual. Yeah, and everything just goes out the window. Like you know, we get this wonderful scene where, yeah, and then it, the next scene immediately is Picard back in the observation lounge, being like, "Okay, so let's change the plan." Then <laughs> you know? yeah, but this is this is how
1: again, this is how emotionally extremely well developed Picard. Uh, no, I can't get my words out. Basically, how. Picard's opinion can change based on new information given to him, which, you know, a lot of people nowadays should really take advice from.
0: Mm. Well, this, this is the thing, though. It's the fact that it's great that we get Picard being like this in this episode because this is what a lot of people are like. Like, if you, you know, when you meet people who have bigoted views or people who have very sort of entrenched kind of opinions mm. and then you challenge them there is this resistance. There is this, no, I don't want to learn new things because my worldview is happy and safe right now. And I don't want to have to think that maybe the problem isn't the foreigners or, oh, maybe I have been part of the problem or, oh, maybe we shouldn't just sort of, maybe, you know, like where, when, you, when you talk about economics with people and then they just go, oh, right, yeah, I guess that is really complicated and we can't just fix it by sort of, you know, killing poor people, you know? It's like, and, you know, but the fact is, the, this is great because Picard opens him up, opens himself up and has people around him to reach into the bubble and go, no, you need to think about this, like Guinan. Like, the, probably the only person on the ship that could have done it is Guinan, because yeah. he trusts her so much. Yeah. And effectively saying, no, you need to do this, and then him being open to his worldview changing. And I think that's something that we all need to take from this. There was a... The idea of always be ready to be challenged in your opinions because that's how you grow as a person. D- D- like, s- you can, I can go into something saying, Doctor Who is a pile of shit. Put that on a t-shirt for me. Uh, but the fact is, I'm sure that someday someone will sit me down and go, ah, but what about this? And oh, it's got this great thing. And oh, it's got this and that. And I'll be like, oh, that is, that is pretty good, actually. Be open to being convinced. But I shit. I did it with. <laughs> I, I mean, you no,
1: know, it it is a really good point because I did it with Babylon Five, and it took five attempts yeah. over twenty years.
0: To, I'm on my third attempt yeah, to get through Babylon. 5. It, it,
1: it took five attempts, and yes, we we shit on Babylon Five a lot because mm. it's Babylon Five. But you take away the the crappy special effects, the bad direction, and stuff. Mm. there is a solid story there yeah and it does you ha- know it, it always had that bit of promise but you can change your opinion like i was just like oh it's crappy, it's crap," it's and i'm like yes it's got failings but deep down there is a solid story there doctor yeah. who i did i, I will openly admit <laughs> i gave it a fair old college try for about four or five years but i just got to the point where i was like this is not for me because they don't take continuity too seriously and they've got brummies it, in space and it, I just can't.
0: Yeah. I, I, well, my problem with it is that there's no law or universe. There's loads of law, but there is no rules, you know? Yeah. Yes. It's like Trek. You need rules. You need, like, the, you know like sort of you know how we have stuff where like the whole oh you can't go past warp something because then it'll tear the universe yeah. and how everyone just conveniently forgets about it Yeah, it's like that is like a mark that is a stain on track law because yeah. we just go hey we need to kind of cover that up or work something out about it because we did just totally retcon and ignore a massive thing in the law Whereas Doctor Who is like, oh, next episode we'll change our minds about how the universe works. Yeah, it's wibbly-wobbly oh, well, time know.
1: stuff as they... As yeah, a, like, and you're
0: just virus. sitting there being like, that's not how you do sci-fi, you know, like, usually. But so, so it's a, I think it's enjoyable, but it's, yeah.
1: So with, with the plan to plant a virus out of the window, Picard is looking for other recommendations. Hmm. The recommendation that Riker has is to wipe Hugh's memory and return it to the Which is one site. of the
0: options we put on the poll. Yeah uh
1: Lee, if you don't mind if you can just go into discord and just copy the poll the results um and then just post I'll them when on I, the chat. post them when you let I'll let you know when to post them because I'll bring up Twitter first and then we'll do discord um but yeah so Riker says wipe the memory um uh, but the counter argument to that is obviously from crusher where it would be wiping the individuality that he was discovered and he was fostered mm. um but Picard comes back and says, but when he is uh, reassimilated into the collective, that will be wiped. However, there will be that tiny instance that when they essentially download Hugh's data from his mm. time that he's been away from the collective, it will be processed throughout the hive and that sense of individuality will be processed and. Picard says that's better than any virus because that is essentially planting the seed in a hive mind of individuality.
0: Mm. And he- and this is interesting because, because he's not being assimilated. So when someone gets assimilated, it strips all of that. It takes away their individuality yeah. and it does all of this. This is literally like... A wipe. Like sort of uh, using a fire exit or something, like coming in after the actual... Uh, sort of security gate or something in an airport and being able to bring all your metals and booze in. And it's that, that idea of basically this is the first chance they get of possibly getting around Borg security. Because yeah. the Borg will just be like, oh it's just a drone, cool, we'll plug him back in. And they're not gonna do the whole, hang on, have we scanned for viruses yet? Yeah, <laughs> you know? and it's
1: it's the you know, the the, the possibility, the 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 message of of the, the knowledge of self being. That will be planted within the Borg could be more powerful than any virus, Mm. which is it's an interesting uh, thing, and we do see it in Voyager with Unimatrix Zero, where they do have that second life uh, within within the hive mind, Um, and Picard said, "Well, it could alter them forever. It could be the the thing that changes the Borg forever." Um, But Crusher also makes a good point: what if he doesn't want to go back? And I love the fact that they don't make the decision. They ask Hugh what he wants to do. Stay with the Enterprise or go back to the Collective. And Hugh, very wisely, for someone who's regained their individuality, is like, if I stay with Geordie and the Enterprise, they will chase us forever. If I go back to the Collective, you
0: are safe. His decision is, I would choose to be with Geordie which is yeah. really touching. Like we say, Geordie is the bot whisperer, but it's the idea of, but Hugh realises that yes, if he did stay, the Borg would follow them. Yeah. Like he would never really be safe. I mean, I'm pretty sure they would be. So I kind of wonder if maybe it's a plot device, but at the same way, it's very touching that he makes his decision based upon air, you know. I also wonder if they told Hugh where they were going to
1: hide the Enterprise as well. Because as soon as she was assimilated back into the collective, they could just go, oh, the Enterprise is over there.
0: Yeah, that's it. They probably didn't. To be fair, probably didn't. Where is the poll? I'm looking on Twitter. I'm going. I'm going to pull.
1: It. I'm going to pull the poll. Uh, shortly, oh, okay, so cool. We need, we was it on it it
0: your personal account or was it? Yes, on the it was account. on the
1: personal. It was both. It was pinned on both. But I'll. Uh, I'll. I'll pull it in, in a minute because. Why can't? Why Twitter is a pile of shit?
0: I'm just putting that on stream because the... it's like I can't find anything.
1: Back in the transporter room, uh, Geordie volunteers to beam down with Hugh uh, to make sure that Hugh gets picked up safely by the Borg. Um, Hugh confirms that Geordie will not be considered a threat by the Borg drones, uh, which is sort of sad in a way because Geordie's amazing but uh but
0: i i do quite like it though that they they do this full awareness of let's just close that plot the plot hole before it opens yeah of basically going oh you'll be fine to just stand there because the borg will be like oh it's just a guy we don't need them we've already got humans uh and like where's and then she's just like hey but you were assimilated and he's like oh well yeah but you know i'm uh, they specially looked for me, you know, like because they needed an ambassador. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's cool. So yeah. that explains why they sometimes do go for individuals. Lee said they should have at least
1: uploaded a video named Super Super Secret uh, Assimilation Tactics. And then when they opened <laughs> it, it's just Rick Astley. <laughs> Rick <laughs> rolling the cog. That would be amazing. Um, so Johnny beams to the surface, uh, surface with uh, Hugh. And we see that the the drones come and collect not only Hugh but the bodies as well. Because at this time period that's what them bogs do. Um and I love the little look. Oh, you've gone quiet, dear boy.
0: Go to the oh. uh, whenever I've been coughing or sneezing or whatever, I've muted my mic. But um they're, this is the thing that we find... I wasn't sure if they teleported the bodies or if they just disintegrated. No, they teleported. I, I thought they disintegrated them. Yeah, that's it. Because it's the same... They get the green hue and then they fade out that Borg tech. Uh, the green hue. <laughs> hue
1: oh, ho, 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 ho.
0: But uh, I do like, though, that they go around first grabbing something from each of them. So going, oh, this is important. This is important. We'll take And then cards. the body teleports. Yes. Yeah, they're, effectively the same card. The little black box, I think, you know. Yeah.
1: Uh, so we see Hugh beam away, but shortly, as he's beaming away, makes eye contact with Jordy, I'm just like, oh,
0: bless. But this is not the last <laughs>
1: time we see Hugh in the next generation, is it? Because we reviewed an episode. Realize,
0: I genuinely didn't realise until I rewatched Next Gen like a year or so ago and we got that episode oh. where we're just like, oh, yeah, I forgot Hugh comes back. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Um, People are talking about it like he's a one-off cameo, uh, like thing, and you're just like, no, he comes back. You know, he's he's kind of important in the so... law, and then obviously he comes back in season one, of Picard, and gets a fucking bitch death that I'm still annoyed about. Yes,
1: I am really pissed off Ugh. with that. I wanted Hugh fuck, for a long fuck
0: time. Fuck Picard, season one. <laughs> fuck Picard,
1: season one and two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we did a poll. Holy shit, guys! This really did pop off. Also, I just
0: want to mention how lovely it is the final scene where. Hugh looks at Geordie as he's teleporting away. He just does a bit of a glance at that. That's what
1: I've just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, the, the look that he well, gives. Uh, yeah,
0: I just, I just love
1: it. I, just I, love it. I think it's really. Sad. So we did, we did a poll on Discord and uh, Twitter. So, Lee, if you've got that poll, can you please put it on the live chat? Silver player, put it on, Daddy. Uh, so on Twitter, uh, we did a poll of who actually had the right idea of what to do with Hugh, and I can't believe it, but I. My I also correct on my phone? Put huge instead of Hugh. Um,
0: <laughs> what in, to do with Hugh? Well, i have well, a very what, different answer. What to well.
1: do with Hugh in iBorg? <laughs> right, so the options were Picard, which was a virus. Worf, mm-hmm. kill him because it's Worf. Geordi, mm-hmm. let him stay. Riker, wipe his memory.
0: Yeah, and give him back to the collective. And give him back to the collective.
1: With uh, a not so surprising 57.9% of the vote, there were 19 yeah. votes, 57.9%. Geordie let him stay with the Enterprise one. Really? Yeah, the second yeah. runner up was Picard and the virus. And then this Level thing, Peggin I, I was have... kill him and wipe his memory hold on hold on pegging wasn't an option on the book. no not that type of god
0: <laughs> uh, would, would your parents have voted for shut that up. shut up shut up as an option <laughs> shut up <laughs> that was the right that should have been the riker option peg
1: the ball. oh wow so on discord <laughs> picard upload the virus one with three votes oh that's interesting well
0: i i should have distinguished the whole thing because the the interesting thing about this is the virus that they were going to do to destroy the borg might have actually been a bit kinder to what they actually did incidentally because this episode doesn't end well because what happens is we seriously fuck up the borg by putting Hugh in Putting Hugh and individuality back into them just makes the collective fuck up. And we see the repercussions of this right until the end of Picard season three. That is effectively why the Borg are fucked. It's not Species 8472. It's not outside forces. It's because of what Picard does here effectively. Whereas essentially
1: the, 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 the virus wouldn't have caused them any pain whatsoever. It would have sent them to sleep. It, yeah, they it would have, have just, just died. shut down. And then as they shut down, obviously the cybernetic parts of the, the body would have just ceased to give nourishment. So they would have just gone to sleep and then yeah. passed away in their
0: sleep. And and instead what we get is a Borg civil war that comes out yep. and the Borg never quite being the same from this moment. Like, And then obviously we have a law capitalising on, on it uh, yeah. in the episode that we covered a couple of months ago. And that is and that's kind of fascinating and it's really weird this happens after an episode what was i watching the other day um it was an episode of trek oh god it's an episode of trek where you can feel and think that you're doing the the kind thing and actually that's far worse yes like it's this i and it's very much that's what this is where they're going hey we'll do the kind thing where we'll basically go hey we've we've Reached out. We've helped this uh, this Borg. We've helped him regain his individuality, and then we've send him back off into the world. And that's worse. Like what they like. Hugh hates them when he like comes up against them again because he's like, you ruined my life. You yeah. literally sort of, literally just kind of went, hey, we're gonna we're gonna totally change your mind about everything and give you show you a bit of love and stuff, and then just cast you adrift into this sort of like cold nothingness again
1: but it's a, it's a solid way where star trek at this point obviously the original series never really dealt with it but where next generation is just like we do something but we will also deal with the repercussions much later like with geordie's mm. episode galaxy's child where he deals yeah. with the repercussions later on this one with the season uh six to seven two parter where we get hugh back and he's like you've ruined everything for me yeah and you know we 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 get a lot of this, and it's yeah like like Sono has said sometimes the 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 thing you think is the best option and the nicest option isn't the nicest option, and maybe just sending them to sleep with a with a virus would have been the the humane
0: option in the long run. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's 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 a bit of a sad thing to end on, but it's the fact of, like, my... I've had two... Uh, my brother this week is very, very upset because, uh, obviously, I'm very close to my brother because uh, they had to put their cat down, Blinky, and they've had their cat for 18 years, uh, and they are amazing. They are the best cat in the entire world. Like, I'm not a fan of cats, but Blinky is amazing because they have a little personality. Wonderful. But yeah, they got put to sleep yesterday and it was a very difficult decision. But it was the whole thing of going, my brother going through this quandary of going, they're not going to get better. It's just going to be a downward spiral from here and their quality of life is just going to get worse and they'll be in a lot of pain. And faced with that decision, you just go, oh, but but I, I, I want to keep them around for as long as I can because I need this. But the reality is it's like the kind thing isn't necessarily the thing that you think is kind. Yeah. In in a weird way. And it's obviously you know, love him very much. You you don't want to be so he's had to do that.
1: You don't want to be selfish, but you have to think what is best for them because they would be in pain, they would be in discomfort. And if you can take that away in the, the least harmful way as possible it's better for them.
0: Yeah. But that's you don't it. I mean, want it's, them it's, to suffer. I mean, it's the sort of thing. It's the fact of basically, like, you know, Blink's had a wonderful life, started getting a bit of, like, pain and sort of, you know, like, you know, illness, and they'd lost a lot of weight over the past couple of weeks, and now that's over. It's the fact yeah. of they're not going to get to, if they left them for, like, a month or two, where they literally are just in agony all the time, and they can't do any of the cat stuff that they like doing, because, because obviously, blinks blinks was fat as fuck, and like you know, like loved their food so much, and then they just kind of stopped eating. They were like, "Oh, I don't feel like eating anymore." And you are just like, "Well, that was your whole thing. That's what you love doing, you know." Yeah. And it is. It's. I mean, I, I'm just hoping that one day we can do that with the Tories, okay? And you just sort of, you know, you inject them, and you're like, "There, there, there. Don't worry, you know." And at least we're putting them out of their misery. Trekking
1: Up North is sponsored by Dignitas... Um... <laughs> yeah. it? mandatory dignitas mm. for Tories but I mean we all know they
0: don't have any dignity so just tas uh... actually to mention something that Lee said in the I think it was Lee said in the chat about when we were talking about how you can be one round to any argument if there is one and you can listen it was making a joke about me sort of understanding the Tories and you know like uh, and conservative government and this is the thing i kind of think that there might be an argument out there where there's a reason why all of these rich people are such inhumane fucks in our opinion mm. and you kind of wonder with like all the crazy shit that exists in the world wherever there is like a of you know like a you know how they do the whole thing of when you become the president you get told all the secrets and you just go oh okay that's that's a lot of hidden crazy stuff and i kind of wonder if there is something about all these dickheads in government and it's like why don't you do this why don't you do that i like the idea that there is some kind of secret behind it where it's like well actually we all we have to do all of
1: this because of this because the alien overlords uh tell us to otherwise they will eat our
0: brains i mean i would be fully open to that sort of going oh i wasn't really expecting that but i i guess life is kind of meaningless actually in the scheme of things with that but it's that idea of just but then we know it's all just a lot of selfish fucking rich cunts. Uh, Life so is no meaningless.
1: Sympathy. Just play video games. Anyway, Sinai, so <laughs> I am receiving an incoming <gasps> signal. Incoming, incoming transmission. transmission. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We have been transported to the double <laughs> wheel of episodes. The double wheel of track. I thought you were gonna just say sausage rolls. Um,
0: <laughs> but the sausage rolls.
1: We have reviewed I Borg, and now it is time for the dabble wheel to spin oh. for <laughs> the next Go on. Episode. Go on. For those of you who, if this is your if, if this is real. your first episode of Trekking Up North, first of all, welcome. Um, to explain <laughs> what we are doing, the dabble wheel, this lovely little dabble wheel there has been programmed by science officer Sonoi's with every Star Trek episode and film. Bad discovery. <laughs> um, for us to spin and whatever it lands on, we will review next week with Isaac from Unplanned Trek. So this is a challenge. What episode?
0: Has Isaac expressed any kind of Please don't
1: let it be this. (laughs) I would love it if it's an episode that they've reviewed this week. I would think that would be absolutely
0: amazing. Oh, Oh, you've reviewed
1: this DS9 episode. Are you doing it again? Um, The Chad has spoken, Code of Honor. Code of Honor. Guesses anyone? Yes. What are the guesses? Code of Honor. Voyager Season 2, Episode 11, says Lee. That's not Code of Honor. Uh, (laughs) As long as it's not. Well, it could be Threshold. No, no, it won't be Threshold. Um, What do you want it to be, Other than (laughs) other than Code of Honor and Sub Rosa? i
0: actually i'm going to get i kind of want time's arrow if we're perfectly honest (laughs) oh oh i I like time's arrow would be good but there was actually an episode that i really oh i was just talking about it earlier man it was like a yeah i i'd actually like the one where geordie where he falls in love with a hologram galaxy's child is it Child? galaxy's child yeah I I like that because I think that's a lot of interesting discussion that we can have about consent and context and also living in the digital age, you know, the idea of falling in love with someone who you don't really know because of what they put online.
1: I mean, it's happened so many times to me, the amount of people that come to me and they're like, I love you. Oh, you're a bit of a twat.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's (laughs) you talking to them, though, because you're
1: not a twat, goodwill. Well, um, I'm hoping for an Enterprise episode. Yeah. I'm hoping for an Enterprise episode. It's been too long. I need an Enterprise episode just to hear Faith of the Heart. Just so I can play it on guitar and sing as uh, is impersonating, sucking off the ghost from Rosa. No, no, though. We need candles. We need, oh, we need candles. God, yeah, I need to get all the green lights trimmed and everything. <laughs> right. Okay. Right, so okay. the chatter said Code of Honor, Voyager Season 2, Episode 11. Okay. Uh, what are the odds for everything? One in 900. Um, one in twelve hundred. No, not yet. Uh, trouble with tribbles, says Christopher. <coughs> I, would, I would like a trouble with. That'd be a great. that be a great one. Because,
0: um, there's so much tribble lore now out of just that one random episode. Like there's even a DS nine episode of trouble short trouble trek. with tribbles short yeah. trek.
1: The trouble yeah. with Edward with H. John Benjamin. Uh, <laughs> hashtag candle slag. Yep, you are spot on there, Christopher. Right, <laughs> let me get. Here the wheel on. up are we I'm getting ready everybody? getting both my
0: fingers crossed for this <sighs> go on I'm just got to put the hat down um, come on three Should I have a code of honor a candle Two. three come on.
1: two one hard drive work spinning it's spinning it's spinning oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god. oh 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 oh, oh. Menagerie double. double! Wow!
0: Menagerie! Strange Strange New Worlds. No, the original series. Well, no, like as in. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, as in tying in with Strange New Worlds. Whoa. The
1: Menagerie part one. Now, this wow. is our final trekking up north. It means we have to do both bloody parts. We have to do two fucking parts tonight.
0: <laughs> okay, there's two episodes for you to watch, everyone. <laughs> Why? Um, <laughs> we still haven't fucking DS9. Yeah. Like the, God
1: damn it. So it's the Menagerie, part one and part two of Star Trek, the original series. This is actually really interesting for the Watchers of Trekking up north if you've never seen Star Trek, because literally this was a, a season one episode of the, the original series that tied in the pilot of Star Trek from 1964 with Jeffrey Hunter as Christopher Pike. So this is the episode where we actually see the pilot because the pilot in its entirety wasn't shown until the late 80s and 90s in the US Mm. and the UK. So no one had actually saw the cage. The menagerie uh, brings in elements of the pilot in the form of a trial because Spock takes the Enterprise hostage and takes it to uh, Talos 4. And there was a whole thing. So, guys, your challenge for next week is the (laughs) Menagerie Part 1 and Part 2. This is a really, really solid episode of the original series. We are going to see the Talosians. We are going to see Geoffrey Hunter. What a guy Geoffrey Hunter was. Taken so very soon in 1969. Um really really solid episode uh solid two parter on this so next week the menagerie part one and part two poor isaac is going to be joining us uh for a twofer <laughs> oh
0: no <laughs> poor thing trial by fire as well. but fire. i think the important thing about this is we get to see how how um oh forgotten his name the the captain um pike yeah sorry mental blank there i uh, know i we get to see how pike ends up and yeah. that's the the sadness of trek where it's the fact of going we love strange new worlds christopher pike like anson mount daddy this is the thing that hangs over him in the law that he has one of the saddest ends out of anyone because it's not an end is the problem yes and it's the, the idea of it's very depressing because it basically just goes, hey, you know the character that we're loving through strange new worlds and stuff and we loved in the pilot of the original series? This is his future. And yeah, and that's what this episode is about, which is the other reason it's very interesting.
1: So guys, that was our review of I iBorg. Lee has very kindly pointed out, fun link to the episode of Nerdy Up North this <laughs> Sunday's because uh, they are reviewing the crow uh, is just what the Borg would look like if they had wireless technology. Again, <laughs> Lee, the Borg are wireless.
0: They were. Wireless I love the idea of just they'd just be goths if they'd they'd they had wireless go- technology. They'd just be goths.
1: They, they are just they are just goths with poor cable management. That's what
0: they are. I- I've actually struggled. I've watched The Crow twice in the last week, okay, because I'm on the Sunday's episode for watching the uh, 90s phenomenon, The Crow. And the problem is, I love it so much that I just stop taking notes. So I can't get I get a bit into it and then I'm just watching the crow and I'm like, oh shit, I'm meant to be talking about shit. Okay. And then I'll do it for a little bit and then I'll just sit back and just watch the crow a bit more. And it's like going. And so I'm slowly memorizing the entire film rather than actually taking notes, which is interesting.
1: Wow. So
0: that is this Sunday on the Nerdy Up
1: North podcast, guys. Don't forget to tune into that. So Noise is streaming straight after this yep. episode the links can so be found. probably
0: 10 10 p.m on twitch do the link in the video the, the description link
1: below. is uh down there below next week i'm gonna have to double check with isaac because i'm gonna be like hey i know you live in tasmania would you mind getting up at crack at dawn to review the menagerie part one and two okay thanks if he doesn't <laughs> come back for the original series yeah. episodes. if it, if it doesn't, um, as as with everything, in we'll get uh, him on the place, in the New Year. We can get if, him on in he doesn't. If he doesn't want to fancy it, so. we we can always get another guest. Mm-hmm. Um But yes, yeah, so we are taking a break as of uh, the end of next week for December. There will be a trekking up north holiday special for you to look forward to. There will also be a very special trekking on trekking slash nerdy up north. Uh, Podcast with Damon, David Demo Damon the handsome Canadian actor um, <laughs> but if you like Trekking Up North and if you like Nerdy Up North and you are not subscribed to the channel what are you doing? click oh, that subscribe it. button tickle that bell and <laughs> slap that thumb upwards for the like button because every little tiny thing you do helps us with the algorithm and it helps us win. If you like trekking up north, all of our friends channels are down below. They do everything that we do just much better and way better because we're just adequate um (laughs) please follow our friends below we've got captain's quadrant shuttle pod show clone star podcast we have got unplanned trek trek culture (laughs) we've got them all down there nerdy up north can be found on every social media channel you can think of I can oh, be found on... All of them. I can be found <clears> on Twitter <throat> slash X at Goodwill None. Please come and say hello. I'd love to talk to you about Star Trek. We have a Discord with a new sexy refreshed link that you can join down below <laughs> where there's plenty of channels. <laughs> a link that works now. A link like that you works. Mean? I know. Who'd have thought it?
0: Um, I didn't know. They timed out. but uh, I didn't know. My my one on Twitch says Twitch, like, what is it? com slash twitch and that hasn't been working for weeks now wow. because they changed the fucking link it's annoying wow uh cocktails next friday then to
1: celebrate Ooh. a successful year of trekking up north maybe
0: it's
1: maybe <laughs> but this is going to be the field test of the new kit and i don't want to be rat-arsed so we'll, we'll 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 see it might be a mocktail like lee said there but uh guys this has been trekking up north we are going to beam back to the adequate now so now you can get ready for some more horror related World War One shenanigans. <laughs> Until next week, stay safe. Live long and prosper. Take care of mm-hmm. yourselves. Bye bye. Miles! Miles? Miles.